Hello and welcome to Como Sostas. We are back. It is February 7th. I We started this podcast yesterday and I went through a list of all the times we've tried to do this podcast and it hasn't succeeded. And since then it failed one more time. So um, let's see how it goes today. We are back to talk about the shows from that we went to last weekend. And I'm supposed to say... I'm supposed to introduce Rob here. I'm sorry. I'm distracted trying to get the audio levels right. So hopefully the audio levels are right when you're listening to this. But I'm messing with the, the dials right now. How are you, Rob? I'm doing okay right now. But I'm going to be really pissed off if the internet messes up, which screwed us over yesterday. Yeah. But let, let's hope it works because I'm excited to talk about our exciting adventures. Yeah. We went to – last weekend we went to the AAA EMW show in Tijuana on Friday night. And we went to the Riot Tanto Evento Surprise event on Saturday night in Monterey. And then you went to the Lucha Mummies Mexico Wrestling Show on Monday? I'm freaking my days yes. right now. Yes, Monday after. So, um, where do you, where should we start? Should we start yeah. with the, the Tijuana show? Well, let's start at where we got cut off yesterday. So, technically, we started in San Diego Yes. After I went through a day of getting my flights rerouted, we mm-hmm. all, me, you, and our friend Maureen from the NWA, because she hates when I say that, we ended up in San Diego all together, and we had a few hours to kill. And since I don't do the touristy stuff, and you do, you should describe where we were. We went to Balboa Park, and we looked around at the at the different museums they had there. We went to the Botanical Garden. We looked at some other museums and found that they cost $25 to get inside of them, and then we did not go inside them. Um, we ate at a cafe above the railroad museum that you did not realize it was a railroad museum until we went to a big circle again. But it was nice. We, we, we barely covered the ground, and there seemed to be a lot of stuff to do there, and it was a nice area. Yeah, it was a fun way to kill a couple hours before our friend Alan picked us up because he was driving us into TJ, which ended up affecting our travels the rest of the weekend. Right, because I think in other, every other time we've flown right into Mexico and then flown out of Mexico, but apparently driving into Mexico and then flying out creates a whole bit of logistical problems that we did not find out about until we were in the middle of them. And apparently different rules for different <laughs> people since we all got different explanations when we tried to figure out what the issue was yes i think i got two different explanations myself and so it, it worked out fine for me not as much for you guys well it worked out fine <laughs> for me it just didn't work out for maureen and i'm okay with that so we w- walked around tijuana for an hour or two before going to the emw show Besides the many, many, many drugstores in Tijuana, is there anything else you want to point out? We found out there were donkeys. Yes. Donkeys painted like zebras. Yes, apparently the name of, I think it was the baseball, or was that something else? The basketball team. Yeah, the baseball team. No, it was the basketball team. Because when we got to the auditorium, we saw the basketball hoops, and they still had a donkey sticker on one of them. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, TJ is, you know, what TJ is. We were walking down a, a lovely couple streets where all these girls were smiling at me, so I can only assume that my looks have improved, and for no other reason they were smiling at me. Uh-huh. They were just standing there as if waiting to have a conversation with someone. Yeah, what a lovely, warming, a nice warm city where everybody just wants to interact with each other. 
Yes. Um, I don't think I can't think of anything else to say. There were so many tourist places in downtown Tijuana, or at least the area we were at, and I think we went into almost none of them. Well, the truth is, nobody listening to this wants to hear. They just want to hear about our stories from the show. So we basically ended up at the meet and greet, which you were thrilled to be at, as usual. Oh, yeah. I'm very excited every time we go to the meet and greet. For me, the meet and greet is the chance to talk to the wrestlers, take a couple pictures. I think one of the last times I was in TJ, it was specifically to meet Microman. Yeah. And every time we're there, or when I'm with Cubs, I should say, I know I can always find Cubs standing in the corner waiting me to finish up whatever I'm doing. Waiting like a half hour. Uh, they had a lot of people out signing autographs, but originally Psycho Clown wasn't there. And then Psycho Clown showed up about 15 minutes into it, it seemed like, and he was just standing by the the entrance to go back into the main arena. He didn't have a table like everyone else, but what he did have is a mob of people trying to get him to sign stuff and take photos. He was very obviously the most popular guy. Oh, for sure. Even a... Uh... Pagano came out. He was a little popular, but I can't remember how long he stayed because I saw him and then he took off and then he was doing some sort of interview in the corner. La Hiedra was there at the beginning, but before I could circle back to her, she was already gone. Puma was there for just a bit, but he had a lot of people with him at first. Penta, Penta was there. Penta yeah, yelled Penta. at your direction. Yeah. Penta <laughs> yells at Rob Viper. So I think somebody, one of our friends said he thought that it was Daga and Daga was coming to get me or something. Yes. But, that would have uh, been a highlight for all of us. Yes. Well, my, my highlight and the reason my, just like I visited Microman last time, my highlight this time was to see Vikingo because Vikingo was there. So I got a chance to bullshit with him about the impact tapings, about his career. He basically admitted. For those who had any question whether the rumors were true or not, he did have a visa to come to work in MSG slash Hulu and the LA show if it would have happened. So we missed out on all that because of the injury happening. He also told a funny story about not being too angry about his injury because the next day, for those who remember, well, I won't spoil it. I'll just leave that up in the air. Look at who he was booked to face the next day. And you'll see why he was kind of happy that he didn't have to yeah, he didn't want. Do you think to people are smart it. enough to look it up on your? I, I think your it, website. It, it takes very motivated people, but you, you have to be motivated to get the answer. But the the answer is out there, like they said on the X Files. <laughs> so, anything else? I I hung out with the, or I didn't hung out, hang out, but I, I observed um, Excalibur and Kamikaze, who were very popular for guys who did not get tables. Um, I don't know which one is which, which is pretty sad, <laughs> but whichever one had, one of them ha had a uh, t-shirt or maybe it was a hoodie that had 420 in like hand signals instead of numbers. And I thought that was really cool, but they, they were very popular for guys who were just really local guys who were just coming up from Mexicali who like, I think if you're around Tijuana, you know who the guys are. And if you look, watch everything, you see them and they did good later at night, but they're not big names yet. I think that that would be Kamikaze. I want to say, I know Scalibur has the mask where there's the, like the, what do you call it? Hanging off the back. So not to, what do you call Oh man, it's the tassels. The tassels are hanging off the back. Yeah. I don't remember which one is which. <laughs> it's okay. The yeah. point is 
they, the point is they were popular. Psycho Clown was popular when we left. He still had the crazy line. Yeah. We went to find we went to find Bubble Tea for Maureen. In between, yeah. we had like half an hour, forty minutes to kill before the show, and then we made our way back to the lobby to go in and check out the show. We had front row seats. Did you enjoy our seats? Yeah, they were good. They they were a little bit squash because we kind of got pushed over until the the two people sitting next to me were kind of had to. We had to rearrange seats at one point just to fit everyone in, and the people behind us were very active at times and maybe overly active. But otherwise, the view was great of the show. Um, it was fun. Yeah, you can't go wrong. We basically had, like, I would say the best seats in the house because we never got destroyed by action coming towards us. I think at one point, the put out on Lord I picked up, uh, I think it was Henio Del Aire. No, it was somebody else, but in front of us. And they ended up tossing him into the... It's TJ Boy. And they ended up tossing him into the crowd. But luckily, just beside us. So we never had to be running for our lives or anything. Yeah. Yeah. And all the dives were... All, there were a lot of people in the crowds, but they were not. They were more on the other three sides for whatever reason, which was fine by me. Yeah. And we also got a good view of... There's a, a group of ladies, older ladies, that sit in the front row at basically every show, I think, at that building. And... And one of them has a cane, so she had the stripper guy come up to her. She had people always insulting her in every match. She's kind of the center of attention, and we had a good view. Yeah, she was very. She, she was an active participant in the matches. She's the generic, like you know. Remember when they did that wrestling expose on NBC or whatever, and yes. they're like, "Well, there'll always be an old lady with a cane in the front row." That that's basically. Yeah. So do you want to go through the show? Yeah. I, we're just like, you're 95% coming through with audio, so I want to keep on pushing through. But if I hold up at points, that's because I'm just making sure all your words came through. But we're going to keep on going here. The opener was right. Adrian Quest, Drake, and Griff against Ecstasis or Ecstasis? Um, Ecstasis. Ecstasis. What? I'm, okay. Yeah, I'm coming back with a mind break. Uh, my mind is not working well today. It's who Ecstasis, who Vengus and Romeo. I'm just not going well. You talk about the match while I get myself together. Okay, so I'm looking at my crib notes here. So Adrian Quest, I think people basically Drake is Damian Drake from FS. Uh, I think he's from Vegas. And Griff is Matt Vandegriff. I think we've seen Drake on AAA TV, right? Not Griff. Yeah, we've seen Drake the one the last time they did TV in Tijuana. Right. So basically, well, actually, even before this match, I should just point out they did a ceremony for Laparco where everybody came to the ring. It was very nice. They had a video for him. They played his song. They had kids dressed up as Parka. So the show already started late. Then we have the ceremony that went on a while. They had a speech in the ring. Everybody, I thought they were going to leave the opening match guys in the ring and just get to the match, but they sent them to the back. Everybody came back out with their music. So this match, I think this match was the one that got cut because they realized, you know, the show was going to go forever because I don't think this match got more than five or six minutes total. And it was basically just the strip show by, I think it was Romeo who was the stripper. Right. And Yeah. And a bunch of dives. It was really sloppy. I mean, nobody really stood out. I wouldn't say, you know, 
I have any memories from this match. I posted my videos yesterday and nothing really stayed with me except for the fact that Romeo had a wedgie and was standing right in front of us blocking my view the entire match. Uh, but the the heels went over. No, no, the technicals went over, I think, right? No, the heels went over. The I, I don't even the heels went over because it was the foreigners who won, and I think they were the heels, yep. but it was not pronounced. Um, I think Adrian Quest was the best of the guys. He ended up working twice in the show, and he seemed like the right pick of the guys to be working twice. Unfortunately for him, because he got killed in the mm-hmm. second match. Yeah, well, what are you gonna do? <laughs> Hopefully, right. he got paid twice. Uh, it's TJ. Who knows? But <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, next up was the three year with the women, right? Yeah, it was La Hydra winning the EMW Women's Championship, a title that had not been defended in about 14 months, from <laughs> Kira. And Kira, who's a former champion, and Miranda Elise was the third woman in the match. Hydra was a replacement for Lady Shanae, Shami, I'm just having, not doing well here, um, who is out for the moment but should be back soon. If I understood the story right, which I may not, but it's not a big deal. She should be back with no problem. Um, I, I do kind of wonder if that was planned for a while to have Hedra in the match because obviously she won the title. The whole, whole thing with Ray Scorpion interfering a couple times to set up the title change and presumably set up a rematch, but who knows with these promotions. Um, the match was fine, I guess. Uh, I'm sure you enjoyed the winner. I Moreno Lee's just got her face knocked off by Kira's dropkick. So much that she did never return to the match, which I would not return to the match either after that. But it was what you would expect with a three-woman match. Yeah, I liked it. I mean, I thought they did fine. Hydra is much improved as a worker, so her and Kedra did some cool things. Miranda was fine in what she did. She took her corner dropkick, you know, just like you, we expected. I was telling Maureen all match, watch out, Kedra's going to do the dropkick. <laughs> the, all the heat was... All the heat was on a scorpion for interfering. That's why he was out there. He ended up taking out the referee, whose name I'm forgetting, with the chair shot. And then Kira ended up doing a crazy Rana, which I've never seen her do, Rana off the top to the floor, which you yes. would only do if Ray is scorpion. Yeah, or, or Taurus, I guess. But those would be the two people you would be there that you would do that spot. I mean, she wasn't doing it to Hedra. To Hedra. So, and then and, uh, Hedra rolled her up, got the win, got the title. They did more promos afterwards, which was the start of a bad trend on this show where everybody just kept talking and talking and talking. Yeah, there was a lot of this because of the little Parker thing, the the, the Parker tribute, which is nice, but that meant the show started late and then they just kept on building matches. And it, that made it even stranger that the next show is going to be an MLW show because that I'm sure most of those matches aren't actually happening next month if they're happening at all. So it was... It was a weird use of time management. I wonder who was in charge of these things because Conan usually seems like he's in charge with EMW and he would have been in MLW that weekend. So perhaps the person who was in this place did not keep his strict hand on it. Or maybe he would have let them do the same thing. But just it cut the, the, with us worrying about a flight that got moved up and then kind of moved back, it kind of made it a little bit more less enjoyable that we just kept getting these promos. I know you're stunned that a Lucha Libre show had challenges, especially one under the AAA banner, had challenges that didn't go nowhere, and we have no idea what's coming in the future, even though it should be pretty clear. By the way, when are Scorpion and Tejano facing the Lucha... Okay, never mind. Uh, Yeah. They're facing them at Greer of the Titans 2020. It's a long-term belt we're doing here. And so it was between the three-way women's match, 
and the next match that we actually had two segments we had the parka kids dancing which i still don't know why that happened because then they just followed it up with that was when they did the daga and ray horace confrontation right right that's right so we basically went almost a half hour with no wrestling where all this stuff was happening and you know fine if daga wants to come out and talk do his thing but I didn't see the purpose in it. Like you said, it's not setting up the next show. They were the, clearly the least important guys in the main event. I mean, by far. So it was cool Ray Horace was over, but there was no need for this. No, I think they want to showcase that they have Ray Horace on their side and not in the crash now. So that may have been part of it, but it didn't really add anything. And they had enough other stuff that they really didn't need to do it. But... It's, it's, I, I think whoever was in charge was not saying no to people on these sort of things. And I'll give you the chance to run down the third match since you're doing so great on names and there are nine of them. It is Porter del Norte beat Jonathan, TJ Boy, and Tony Casanova, and also the team of Adrian Quest, Lady Lee, and Tiago. Um, Adrian was working for Hio del Mexico, you know, who got moved up. I think we had... Danny Limelight was not there as well, and Tiago got in his spot, which also seems like something they may have planned in advance, in advance because Tiago was feuding with Jonathan through the whole match, and also on the other two shows they did on this weekend tour. So that one, I always believe that they're actually going to someplace. It may not even be on an EMW show, but those guys are trying to build their own hero rivalry. Mm-hmm. Um, this was a crazy match. Tiago bled a lot um, early on and looked bad at the end. Uh, Lady Lee took the Porter del Norte's run of moves finish and seemed like she got knocked loopy at the end of it. Um, but there was just a lot of action, as you expect from a three-way trios match. Yeah, this is the type of match you come to TJ to see. It was just brawling. There was a dive into the crowd. It was mostly the Porter del Norte in control, just doing their chair sh- shots, their corner drop kicks. They brutalized Adrian, who came out just to take that, I think. Uh, Lady Lee was invisible until the finish, so it's not like she even got any shit in before she got killed. I'm pretty sure that Tiago, who was legit busted open, was from the Poder de Norte chair shot that he took. So even though he was feuding with Jonathan, it was just total destruction by the Poder del Norte. And they won the match, obviously, killing Lady Lee. I thought this was the best match of the night for me. I think so, too. I think there may be more spectacular stuff in the fourth match, but I think this, the third match held together more. And I think they were better off having, after we saw what Medico Asino did in his match, they were much better off having Adrian Quest involved. Even if I can't remember much he did in the match, he was definitely an improvement. Yeah, I mean, I was actually happy when Medico was taken out of this, but then I realized where he was going to end up. So that was, and we had more mic work after this match because the Mexicali guys challenged the TJ guys to a mask versus hair match. And that also went on for way longer than it should have. And then that before was after the next, the next match, match, we had the guys setting. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm already getting ahead of myself. This match had the delay where the, they were setting up the weapons under the ring for the next. Yeah. And they did promos Jonathan and Tiago too. And they, I think they put it on the earth. They talked about how great they were as well. So it's not yes. like it was, it wasn't like they were moving things along, but moving things along. The next match was a hardcore match between the Tijuana crew of black destiny or black boy, fantastic and Rayo star versus Gino del Ire, Kamikaze and Scalibur. This was a very much hardcore match with them with many wood boards completely destroyed. 
lots of blood. Um, they were brawling from the moment they started, so at least they got in the way early. But they did so much stuff that I thought they were going to the finish about like maybe five minutes before they actually did the finish. It was it was a spectacle in, the, in a way that a Tijuana match can often be a spectacle. Yeah, they started off brawling, so we didn't have to deal with long entrances. They were ripping up the floorboards from the actual auditorium to use as weapons, which is cool. But then it led to another delay afterwards because the people had to figure out where the floorboards fit to put them back. And then they ended up using more floorboards in later matches. So this whole night was full of weird, random delays that I'm going to keep complaining about because it ended up ruining our enjoy- or my enjoyment of the main event. But yeah, this match was crazy. This was Maureen's favorite because it had light tubes. And she's a CZW, old school CZW fan. She loves that type of stuff. It had blood, mat scripting. They did the, they did the doomsday spot through the doomsday tope through a board at ringside, which is pretty crazy. Uh, a, lot of, a, couple, a lot of nice dives. I mean, this accomplished its goal. I mean, it, it was promoted as a lucha extrema. So, you know, every other match, I think the next match and the match after had weapons, but this was the match where you were expecting it. And I had this as the second best match of the night. Yeah, I think I said I had that too. They did a the, the better job cleaning out the ring after the damage than I thought they were, but that also took a lot of time and uh, a couple of rooms is the first one they had really sucked. But they it, it was it was something it was something that was good to experience live. I'm not sure if it'll if the chaos will come through in whatever handheld has shown up, but I think it was a fun match to see. Yeah, and the, the worry part for me was like the next match was with Vikingo. And I'm watching them clean the ring, and I'm like, they're not doing a good job, and I feel bad for this guy because now... But anyways, once, once I saw the lineup for the match, I knew we weren't going to be seeing much cool things from Vikingo. Yeah. The semi-main ended up being Hio Del Medico Sino, Nicho El Millionaire versus Pagano and Puma King versus Hio Del Vikingo and Extreme Tiger. Medico Sino, who is either the promoter or is somehow involved with the promotion, just happened to get the win. Um... Puma got a visual pin on him, and then there was a rough bump and all and a foul or something, and Medico beat him. Um, Medico was in the match because Gringo Loco was ill all week. I think he he was at the arena, but he still they would not let him wrestle, which was which was disappointing since they've been building up Gringo Loco versus Vikingo, and that's it seems like that's supposed to be a match down the road. It may even be a match on the MLW show now. That I think about it, since Vikingo is going to be on the show and Gringo works MLW anyways, but. I was looking forward to seeing him on the, in this environment. Um, Vikingo got to work a little bit with Puma King and a little bit with Pagano. And Vikingo Pagano went better than it might sound, but it was not like a, you need to go out of your way to see Vikingo performance. And a poor Extreme Tiger in this match got to do... They, they were doing all sequences, and they were building up to his sequence, and then I think it was Meiko Asino just went out of the ring and did not, was not there for his stuff. And Extreme Tiger seemed to have no luck in getting in his own stuff during the whole match, so I felt bad for him. Yeah, he was kind of invisible in this match. He's in good shape. He's back from the injury. I know he's looking for U.S. bookings again. Uh, I had talked to Gringo earlier in the day. He was definitely in TJ. I think the story was, you know, they do check the wrestlers backstage and the doctor just wouldn't let him. And it even took him to like a blood lab because he was in such bad shape. So they wanted to see how uh, a poor guy can't catch a break. He was off even the MLW show, as far as I know, so he still might be out of action. Hopefully not the coronavirus. Yeah. Uh, the match 
the match was whatever. I mean, Vikingo, like you said, when he was in Puma, that was only like 30 seconds. He did some stuff. Pagano wasn't as bad as he usually is. Uh, probably he wasn't doing the hardcore stuff, so he didn't fully commit to the match. The medical Puma stuff just made no sense to me. I don't understand why they could have just done a match and gotten out of there. Instead, they do all this bullshit. Medico ends up rolling up Puma. They do challenges afterwards. He seals Puma's mask. Puma talks to him. Do you really think these guys are having a singles match anytime soon? Like, do you think that they just they had it planned that it was going to be Vikingo and Gringo feuding and doing challenges, so they just randomly picked two other guys to do it? I think Medico gets the free reign of the promotion and gets to make his own challenges. So it was as much they need someone to plug in that spot as that he felt like he wanted to do something to build to make himself like a more vital person there. Whatever it was, it was just terrible. They should have played music and gotten them out of there. That's where I wish that Conan would have been there, because if Conan would have been there, I wonder if it would have went a little differently than it did. But it was what it was. It was nice to see Vikingo wrestle live for the first time. Hopefully, there'll be more chances this year, whether it be in the U.S. or if we have to go back to Mexico. Yeah, if you have to go back to Mexico. Hopefully, for me, it's in the U.S. Um, in the main event is Pentagon. It was Pentagon Psycho and Ray Horse defeating Daga, Monster Clown, and Ray Scorpion. They did the same. Monster Clown refuses to go too violent against Psycho Clown, and these partners turn on him a bit in here. Um, they did... Some feuding for Dog and Ray Horse, though it's not as much as you would have thought given the promo beforehand. It was a lot of... It was, La Hydra and Kira got involved at one point, but it was a lot of a Psycho Clown showcase with him getting the win in the end. Yeah, the girls came out, and then actually I think just La Hydra came out, mm-hmm. and then eventually Kira ended up coming up, and they basically just brawled for a couple seconds before they disappeared because the fans threw beer on them, and I think they... But I think it was planned for them to disappear, but it was probably for the best because this crowd was pretty crazy and pretty drunk by that point. It was it was really late. It was more than three hours into the show, and it was hard to enjoy this match, partly because the crowd was behind us, was like throwing things and was so crazy, but also we had a flight that was supposed to leave at like 2.15 and got moved up to 1.30. So we just... We hadn't eaten either, so we just kept checking the time because we wanted to make sure we had enough time to go grab grab a bite to eat because otherwise we're getting on the airport and the next time we see food would be landing in Monterey at like 7 a.m. local. So that was a long time. But Horace looked really good. He did a couple dives, heads to the floor, and a scorpion who also looked good. Cycle did all his scrapping. It was basically a night off for Penta. I mean, Penta didn't do much of anything. Uh, the the monster clown turn was very telegraphed. You could see it coming because they kept doing the teases during the match. I think you pointed it out that I like the mask, the mask or the face paint look instead of the mask look. He looks so much younger. Yeah, I, that probably won't stay that way forever. But I think the the blonde hair dye that's half dyed and the face paint actually make it helps him as a character. It does. I liked it and. The crowd seemed to understand the story that was going on. It, it's nice when you can take stuff that's happening on TV and put it back on house shows because everything flows better. And I'm told that the post-match challenges went on for about 15 to 20 minutes, but we bolted literally right when they hit the three, we grabbed our shit and we were out of there to go grab some food, which did not go well for me because like an idiot, we went to get tacos across the street and I decided to put some sauce on mine and I tasted a little of it and I thought, Oh, this is good. I like it. So I put sauce on the rest of my tacos. And it was at that point where I realized, oh, it just takes a little while for the sauce to kick in. 
and it was way too much for a white guy like myself. And I couldn't eat my food, so I ended up going to the airport starving. It, it was not and my friends, And my friends all laughed at me and didn't feel any compassion at all. So thank you for that, Cubs. You're welcome. You, you made your own mess. Um, <laughs> it, it, it was a, an entertaining way to end that night. Um, but yeah, I overall I enjoyed the show. It was not a... There was no great match on it, but I the fourth the third and fourth matches were fun in particular, and it was a if it was in the full house for the auditorium, it was pretty full and it was a very lively crowd into the whole show. So it was a, it was a great experience to have. Yeah, if I was comparing it to last year, I was at an EMW show with Sammy Guevara versus Loretto Kid and a couple of other things. I actually liked last year's show better, to be honest. But this was fine. This was. Better than the Tres Caída show I went to, where uh, it was the Benito versus Dragon Lee main event. I mean, that match was better than anything on this show. But overall, as a show, this was better. And it was good. I mean, it's fun to get out to EMW. I love TJ. I love the crowd atmosphere in there. It's a, it's a fun arena. I would definitely go back, for sure. I think I'm thinking of the two crash shows I've been to. And there always seems like there was at least one match that was disappointing or wasn't good at all. And on this show, at least there was none. Everything was at least fine or at least better than that or better than that. So I think it was probably the best overall Tijuana show I've seen, but there might've been like a match or two that were better individually. I mean, it was better than, because if we didn't go here, we might've just flown to Monterey and we would have seen the Lucha Time taping. And I have a feeling that this was better than that. Yeah, probably. So we, we got to the airport for our new 130s flight. You guys went and took, went to the bathroom while the flight started boarding, which was fine. Because then I just got to watch people get on the plane. We got on the plane. And then we sat on the plane for like a half hour while they were doing whatever. So it was very exciting times at 2 a.m. Uh, this was a... Another Rob was right moment because as soon as we got that notification that the flight was pushed to 1.30, I was thinking to myself, I said it to you guys, no flight ever gets pushed up. It's always either delayed. Why would they move it up and screw over people who are connecting? So, of course, as we're sitting on the flight, they make the announcement that I think they said that one of the stewardess hadn't shown up or something. So we were going to have to wait like half. I made a motion to Maureen who was sitting behind me. I told you so I knew this was going to be fine because I, I was up now almost, almost 24 hours straight, plus the flight when we were going to land. So I slept the entire way. Maureen slept the entire way. It's already a two and a half hour flight, but because of time difference, you lose the hours. So it's like four and a half hours, basically. And you didn't sleep. You, you were I awake, sl- right? I slept off and on. But I this was not the trip. I still haven't figured out how to sleep in, on planes consistently. So, and I did not figure it out on this trip, which made it a little bit painful. But we got into Monterey. We went to local restaurant IHOP to have breakfast. Uh, yeah. And then, and then we went to sleep for many hours. Oh my God, I couldn't wait to fall. I was falling asleep in the car on the way to IHOP. I was falling asleep at the IHOP. And then, of course, right when we got to the hotel, that's when I wasn't tired at all. So I stayed up for like a half an hour, an hour. But then I just crashed. It was done. I, I had been going through like a 28, 29-hour day. But that was the plan. We, were, we knew this was going to happen. Our choice was either that 2.15 flight or stay over in TJ and get the 7 a.m. flight like our friend Alan took. But 
then we would have still only slept a couple hours in TJ and would have had to be at the airport so early. So I think we made the right decision. I think so, too. I, I did not sleep as much in Monterey as I would have liked, but I think it was better to try to sleep there than to, than to get a hotel for a couple of hours. Yeah, for sure. The only worry we had was our bags, but that ended up not even being a worry because Alan ended up coming. So we got to shove our bags in his car. We slept, like we said. We met Alan, actually flew out from TJ, like I mentioned, got to Monterey. There was another Alan that was there with his family that came in the day early. So we had two Alans with us. We met up to eat at this place called The Food Box, which was recommended by the promoter of Riot, Alfredo. Uh, I didn't eat much. You did. Did you enjoy it? Yeah, the burgers were good. I had the, did you have the King James or no? I did not have the King James. But the people who had the King James liked the King James. Yeah, I mean, it was a nice place. It was uh, The only issue we ran into at the end was by the time the Uber picked us up and by the time we worked out how to pay for our meal because the card machine wasn't working, we were running late for the Well, we thought we were running late for the riot show, which had an 8.30 start time. And my experience with riot shows is they don't start till 9. The promoter actually, or I should just say Fredo, Fredo warned us that they were going to film something for like 20 minutes at the start of the show, so we didn't have to rush her. But by the time we got back to the hotel, went to get jackets, went to use the washroom, it was already approaching 9 o'clock, and we still had like a 10-minute walk to get over there. So I was really worried we were going to miss something. And it turns out we missed nothing because... There was a huge ass line like I've never seen outside that building. Yeah, they there were a lot of people there early and a lot of people there at all. I think what we did miss is we might have got better seats if we if we came a little bit earlier, but we ended up getting decent seats in the end. But there was a lot of people who were trying to get into that right show on Saturday night. I think they said they ended up turning people away, which is completely believable given how many people were there. And I know tickets sold out ahead of time, but I, they were holding a few back depending on who actually showed up. So I think some people might have gotten in the day, but I know not everyone did. So it was they could have probably run a slightly bigger venue and, and filled more people, but I don't know if the atmosphere would have been as good as it is with the location that they normally run. Well, word on the street is literally on the street, the word given to us was that the line went all the way around the block at some point. So when we got there, we were pretty deep, but apparently the line had been much longer before we got And all of this, of course, is because of only one person. No, not Mr. Iguana. It's the guy I'm talking to, who I, I've heard a rumor that there might be a show named after you in the there's absolutely not going to be a show named after me. And it's not, it has nothing to do with me. It's absolutely weird people on the internet who like weird things. I still do not understand why that video got popular after it's been out there for so long, but it, it's just the random way that Twitter works. Yeah, you never know what's going to go viral. We just saw uh, a copycat where one of the Mexican reporters tried to get Jose Manuel Guillen from Maslucha winning a title go viral, and last I checked, I think it had one retweet over two days, so not really working out too well. But the, the real funny thing about this is actually is uh, Riot themselves, I think, or Lucha Mania had posted the video back when it happened, and nobody paid any attention to it. It was just when you grabbed it, and then the chain of events that led to uh, all these random mainstream sites picking it up and using it as video to show that Lucha Libre can be fun. Imagine that. It's very strange. And this, the only reason 
I, I got the clip in the first place is because I paid for that sh- to watch that show twice. Because I paid to watch it on the High Spots Wrestling Network, and Alfredo had not uploaded it to the High Spots Wrestling Network. So I had to go to write Lucha's own picture and pay for it again. And I was darn sure going to get some content out of that if I had to pay for it twice. And so <laughs> I got some content out of it, apparently. But yeah, this is the Mr. Iguana entrance video that you might have seen that got a lot of attention. I think the theory is it, it may have not convinced new people to go to Riot, but it convinced regulars and occasional people that Riot was a very popular thing and they had to hurry to buy tickets because they might have missed out. And in the end, I guess they might have missed out if they didn't buy tickets because they did sell, sell all the tickets they could have. Right. Like, uh, I, don't wanna, I don't want people to get the wrong idea if they don't know anything about Riot and Arena Feminine. This is not thousands of people we're talking about. No. This is a... This is a small-time promotion where I think the maximum people they can fit in is around 300. Yeah. And from what Fredo told me, he had, I want to say, one-third of all the tickets sold until that video hit. And once that video hit, it was just like he literally had to send a message out that tickets are flying. I'm not going to have any left. If you're a regular and you're waiting to buy, get those tickets now. And then it got to the point where people still wanted to come and they hadn't bought tickets and they were all sold out. So he was trying to work it out where he could, he puts aside some for family and friends to attend and he worked it out so that they could actually sell those to people who still wanted to come. It was a huge success. And the fact that they did it with no wrestlers announced, no matches announced. I mean, I've said this on Twitter and of course you're going to back me up when I say this. This is not common whether you're a big promotion or small promotion in Mexico. It's all walk-up business. So it's just amazing to me that something like this happened, even if it's just 300 people. Yeah, it's it's not it's so uncommon. It, it it does if if I did not see it happen myself, I would have trouble believing it happened. It's just um, it's a it, it's a testament to how much it's it's the video, but it's also how much they built up the fans, especially locally, in in believing in the promotion that even if they have nothing announced, that they are going to give them a great card, and they. I think they went above and beyond to give him a great card on the show. And as we'll tie into our conversation on the next show on this, this podcast that we're recapping, it's another example of why you never know what could happen when you get your footage out there. Yeah. Uh, the only reason that, I mean, again, they put the video out themselves. There was a clip of it, but it, the only reason because it got out there is because there was video of it for me to put on the internet that was i didn't i could easily find a right show and find those clips and i find hope i could watch a full show without having to look through a whole bunch of different youtube links i could just watch the whole thing i think i think maybe the iguana stuff is over emphasized but i mean seeing the right footage in senior lariatos or mr lariatos um gifs also helps the promotion it kind of builds awareness that they are a thing that that's out there having interesting guys have interesting matches. So having the video accessible is a huge, is an obvious benefit for promotions. So how much did you know going match wise, talent wise? I think I knew a few people who were going to appear. Um, Some of them we had talked about during that week, but I do not believe I knew I, I kind of figured out one of the matches just by process of elimination of people who are going to be on the, the show, but I don't think I knew the full card. Or I, I don't think I knew anything more than that one match. 
So I had known the main event. I obviously knew Mr. Guana was going to be there. That's a no-brainer, considering what sold the tickets. I knew, I knew a couple other guys who were going to come, but I didn't know what matches they were in. I didn't know. The only thing I knew is that uh, our buddy Fredo, the promoter, again, I'm going to keep saying that just so people don't, you know, don't. When I say Fredo, they can just start associating him as the right promoter. But he had mentioned that there was going to be talent on this show from AAA. CMLL, Crash, Ring of Honor, GCW. And the thing that stuck out to me was he mentioned CMLL because I knew the main event. I knew Bandito was going to be there. But I couldn't figure out if he meant, when he meant CMLL, he meant Bandito because Bandito's doing dates there or if he meant somebody else. And eventually I just decided in my own head that it was going to be somebody else. And my guess ended up actually being who it was, which is actually pretty funny. But I didn't know what match he was going to be in. And my other guests for somebody who was going to be here because they had sent out a poster with all uh, silhouettes of people who were going to be on the show. But it was just random silhouettes. Of course, I didn't know that at the time. And one of them looked like Sammy Guevara. And Sammy has a long history with Riot and is able to appear there contractually. So I was positive Sammy was coming. 110 fucking percent. I knew Sammy was coming. So... I just kept waiting for him when Kill Corden came out later in the show. I didn't recognize him in the blue outfit. I was like, that's Sammy. That's going to be Sammy. And then, of course, it didn't end up being Sammy didn't end up on the show. And it turns out he wasn't booked on the show. So that's one of the cool things about the surprise show is you can talk yourself into thinking people are coming. There was even a rumor online in the Mexican forums that Will Ospreay was coming to this show. Did you see that Sammy tweeted me during the show, teasing that he was going to show up? <laughs> he deleted that. That's he, funny. He, he deleted it later. I was very unhappy about that happening because, as we all know, I very truly hate Sammy Guevara, and I'm not just doing a bit, or am I doing a bit? Um, but yeah, I did. I, I did realize that was all just you know they grabbed they grabbed pictures get... from other posters and just bit silhouettes and they didn't mean anything. But apparently, I was the only one who did that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I just thought for sure, but. The promoter did give me like uh, the the rundown afterwards. Before we go down, what the actual show was, he did give me permission to say that originally the main event was going to be a title defense by Ares against Ray Horus, but Ray Horus didn't didn't end up uh, being able to. Uh, uh, at one point, Jack Evans was booked and was supposed to be on. Uh, uh, there was supposed to be another team facing the Un Mexicans who didn't end up appearing because they couldn't make it there. And who else? There was somebody else who was booked and then couldn't make it. It's slipping my mind now. But it's fun because, you know, you get the rundown afterwards and the card changed so much. But that's one of the cool things about a surprise show is if your card changes, you don't look bad because nobody actually knows who's going to end up being there. Except with maybe one particular person on this card. But that worked out in the end. Yeah. And uh, like you said, we got there late. So our friend Alan, the one that came from Juarez, has two kids with him. So our buddy Javier, who sits up in the balcony with all his crazy drunk friends, were nice enough to give up two of the seats that they had gotten so that the kids could actually see something. Uh, we ended up being split up at the show. You went to sit by the stairs, I think, right? Yeah, me and Hersom were standing by the stairs for most of the show. I think he came over to our jury side after intermission because suddenly Lord Byron was there instead. and That was strange. But, um, <laughs> but you guys sat at the far end, right? Yeah, we sat in the corner. Eventually, like these, 
there were seats that were there that were reserved for us that people wanted to give us, but we're like, no, don't worry, we'll stand. Uh, and it was actually good. I was happy that we were sitting to, or being standing, sitting together, because we really haven't talked about the show. So these are going to be our first reactions to everything. We purposely avoided discussing everything. You purposely avoided. I just, I just was too tired to do it. <laughs> but so, so then the show started. The show started really, really late. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it started late, but they eventually got it going. We weren't as concerned this time because our flights were a little bit later, or your flights were a lot later. Mine was a little bit later. Um, it started off with Mister Guada doing the the I am a serpent entrance again. With until he got viciously attacked by Morte Extrema to start the opener match, I believe if I talked to Mr. Goner after the show, and he mentioned that that was a change of plans. He was supposed to go on later in the show, but other people were a little bit late in arriving, so he got moved up to the opener. But I think the crowd enjoyed him in that position, and it was a good way to open the show. Yeah, I thought for sure Iguana was at minimum semi main event because. How do you form a chain of people coming out with him on a surprise show? They would have to give away who they are. So you would have to wait till everybody appears. But they ended up using the crowd members, ended up joining it. So uh, uh, it was a great way to kick off the show. Afterwards, we figured it out because, I mean, the crowd was there for that entrance. And it just got them even more hyped when they saw him come out. Uh, you, wanna, you can go ahead and give your thoughts on the match first. I thought it was a good mix of Iguana doing comedy and Iguana um, doing tricky head scissors and arm drags from Murte Extrema. I think Murte has had better matches than Riot, but I think he's come along a long way since the first first shows of that. Um, I think Iguana, for him, he has the tricky part is finding the the balance point between the comedy with his his spots and with the Yeska spots and getting and doing unique offense, and I think he did a good job of finding that balance in this match. See, this is already going to be our first difference of opinion because Muerta Extrema has not shown me anything when I've seen him in Riot. I mean, he's a fine local guy, but he never really stood out to me. In this match, I was super impressed with him. He was basing really well for Iguana stuff. He was doing counters that I thought, oh, Iguana probably gave him these counters. But afterwards, I talked to Iguana, and Iguana's like, no, he came up with them. He did a flip dive off the apron, which is kind of funny because Muerta's kind of a chubbier guy, and Iguana's basically as skinny as me. So, Well, not as skinny. Nobody's as skinny as me. But Iguana caught him, and the crowd reacted huge because you don't expect to see a guy that size diving onto the little dude. There was a crazy move where Iguana leapfrogged over the referee into a Hurricane Rana on the floor on Muerta Extrema, which I popped for. Iguana is just so over with this crowd. It's unbelievable. And I'm with you. I think it's a blessing and a curse how funny Iguana is and how he's got the, the comedy part of the gimmick going because Iguana can wrestle. That's one of the reasons that, you know, he started to make a name for himself in GIFs and in videos on the internet. Like, he could do cool spots. And now the people, I think, want to see his comedy more than his cool spots. They want to see Yeska... They want to see him messing around, crawling. They like when he yells out funny things as he's doing moves. It's, uh, it'll be interesting to see how he continues on in AAA because in AAA, I think I've seen him go for, lean far more towards the comedy. Right. He's, he's more of a wrestler on the, on the right shows, but he's still doing a fair bit of comedy. I think 
for his position in AAA, maybe for what they're looking at, both the matches he's in with Hammer Gates and guys like that, maybe it makes more sense to do comedy. But it feels like he could probably do more. But maybe, you know, the comedy, not so not as much runs its course, but in a year they're looking, from now, maybe they're looking for different stuff and they can evolve in different ways. For Wright, though, I think if they announced they were doing a Guanda versus Aries at the next show, I think people would be very excited to see that already. Oh, fuck, I would be excited to see that because, like I said, I mean, Iguana can go. I'm super happy. He's definitely one of the big success stories considering where he came from, how he moved up. Now he's got a legit contract with AAA, which I'm told he's still going to be able to work in Riot, so Riot fans don't have to worry about that. You know, it's good when wrestlers remember the promotions that have helped them out. Iguana actually grabbed the mic afterwards, and I was like, oh, no, don't turn this into the TJ show where every single person is going to have a speech. Luckily, this was one of the only ones. And he said some really nice words about Riot. He said that this is the place to be if you want to, you know, wrestle in front of the, the coolest fans, make a name for yourself, you know, put yourself on the map. So I thought that was really nice of him to do. Yeah, it was a nice speech. From there... And a great was, way to open the show. Yeah, it was a good way to open the show. The next match was Kratos and Prometeo versus Charo Negro and Oro Negro. I think Toronto Negro and Oro Negro have been on the shows for like a year now, but I think it's like the last two or three appearances where they've really seemed like they've stood out more. I thought they outshine the Los Mismos de Siempre, the, te- the Kratos team, with a lot of their offense and more so with their interaction with the crowd. That they that Kratos and Prometeo have a issue where they are doing moves sometimes in like an empty gym, even if there's a hundred people there or 300 people there in this case, and they don't really interact more. And I think the, the other team kind of gets that more than they do. Yeah. They're, these are all four guys who are still just learning their way. I think Prometeo and Kratos are more advanced, obviously both trained by Hechicero, by the way, and Oro Negro and Charo Negro, by the way, kind of need different names I, I don't think they should both be negros because they look very different mm. but uh they they're just starting i think oro negro is the better of the two although i think fredo disagreed with me and said charo is the better of the two what where do you fall on that i think charo has more personality of the two i think he might be slightly better so you know they did a, they did cool stuff like you said there was there's a lot of moves in this match some of it didn't go right like definitely there was definitely moments where, like, one point, uh, Prometeo was swinging around the ring post, I think going for a 619. But because there were so many fans there and he wasn't used to it, he didn't want to hurt them. So he ended up just landing back on the other side of the apron and doing a double elbow, which I thought actually looked cooler. But you could see he was kind of annoyed by it. They, they did this thing where they do the spot where there's a suplex and then Prometeo springs in with a, or Kratos springs in with a flying drop kick onto onto a guy who's lying down, and then Kratos does a running shooting star press. They did this spot early in the match, and then they ended up doing it again for the finish, which would be my one nitpick, that they probably shouldn't have done the same exact move. There was like a nothing move early in the match as their finish, but the crowd reacted big for it, and the dives were crazy. They did like a, Prometeo did his space flying tiger drop out of nowhere. Oro Negro did a cool somersault. Charo did the trust fall over the ring post to the floor out of nowhere, which was fucking crazy. You probably had a great view of that from the stairs. Yeah, that looked, that looked 
that looked as crazy as any one of those kind of dives that Darby Allen has ever done. Yeah, I mean, it blew me away because I didn't see it coming. Uh, yeah, like I said, these guys, I think, I think in a year, maybe even less, depending on how fast they progress, these are going to be like the next wave of, holy shit, you got to get these guys to Mexico City. Maybe they'll end up in AAA openers, for all we know. But uh, they're good. They're they're really, really good, and I'm told that they're, they really want to learn. I would love to see a rematch, actually, between these guys, because I think they could do better. I, I don't off all the matches on the show, I had this one as the second lowest. Like the the lowest was a three way that we're going to get to, but this was the second lowest. Not that it was bad or anything, just I had a little higher expectations. I thought Prometeo Kratos match with Sima, La, uh, Sima Latigo, and Skyde on the last show. I know you were lower on me, lower on that than me. Yeah, I I think I would have this though. Maybe second worst. I think around. I think I'd have this about the same level as the other tag match. It was just there were too many moments where just kind of things were not going as they planned to go. But I think overall, I mean, even the second worst on the show was still a pretty enjoyable match. Yeah, for sure. Uh, then we had what was after this? I'm already. Oh, I know what was after this. Go ahead. It was Eric Ortiz versus Ray Hedricero. It was funny because. Hedrosero's music starts playing, and I'm thinking, ah. oh, it's Hedrosero. Everyone knows this music. They're going to explode. But apparently, either the right fans had forgotten Hedrosero's music or thought they were getting faked out because no one really reacted too much until he stepped through the entrance. And then they were acting huge because Hedrosero, to these, at least in my mind, to these local fans, if you have been a local Monterey indie fan for the last you know, for the last decade or less, Hetrosero was the guy who was there all the time and was awesome. And but he had never been in right because Wright started just after he had left the CML, um, or at least left full time for CML. And so him came to come back and give the face um, Eric Ortiz, who does a lot of the same grappling, mat wrestling stuff, and similar style as Hetrosero is kind of a match that they could have headlined the show very easily if they had announced it ahead of time. So seeing it third on the card was like over delivering right there. And they had the, the full out match they would have in the main event. Um, there were a couple moments that they go like exactly what they wanted to, as planned, like the reverse monkey flip spot that was supposed to land or tease onto the ropes. Didn't really do that, but then Hedgesero went full bore on his splash onto the ropes, onto the back and made up for it. So I think they, they could do probably a slightly better match if they had to, but I think this is still a great match, one that's easily worth seeking out once it finally turns up. Do you think if they if if this wasn't a surprise show and he announced Tetchi Sarah was coming, that probably moves a lot of tickets? Yes. He, he's like of the guy Monterey guys, he of the guys on the show, I think Bandito moves more tickets probably, but I'm not sure if anyone else moves more tickets right now. Yeah, I mean, I I was laughing when I heard the music. I think I actually tweeted out that it's good to have recognizable music on a surprise show because you get the first pop of the music and the second pop when you show up. Poor Hechicero, or I mean, he works for CMLL. I mean, listen, CMLL is not exactly super popular with the hardcores these days. And you could see it because these were all hardcore fans and nobody knew that music. I don't even think... You, you said that either they didn't know the music or they knew and they thought they were being faked out. 100%. I think they didn't know the music. 
because I was up there and I heard the music and Hechicero was my guess for which CML guy would be here. And I said, oh, it's Hechicero. And people around me just looked at me like I was crazy or something. So I don't think they knew. And Donald came up and was like, hey, are you surprised, buddy? And I'm like, no, that was my prediction. And he said, oh. <laughs> so I, I guess I'm ahead of the game because I know how he thinks. I knew that he wanted to get Hechicero out there. But uh, the people, Javier and his friends, were going crazy for it. If you're bringing in Hechicero, this is the guy you put him against. This was the Eric Ortiz dream match right here. Some stuff didn't go right, like you said, but that's the kind of match this is. That's where you want to see Hechicero win. You know, this was this felt like a battle at times. They were trading holds. It, excuse me. It wasn't the Negro Navarro Solar put on a hold, let him go, walk away type thing. They did some of that earlier, and it was more kind of just trying to show each other up. But as the match went on, it became a struggle where they would go for the surfboard right into the upside down gory special. It was really good stuff, I thought. And you think do you think Eric held in good held his part of the bargain up working against Hachisero? Yeah, I think so. I think Hachisero came came off as a more polished guy. You could see a difference between him and Ortiz where they're at right now. But I, I think at the same time, Ortiz, this was Eric looked like he could go with Hachisero, but he just he, there's just another level for him to improve to. But um, I'm trying to explain this. I, I, I think Hetrosero definitely came off as a better guy, but he did. But Ortiz wasn't totally outclassed. Yeah, there, at one point in one of my videos that I will hopefully upload if my internet connection is actually restored, was uh, I said Ortiz Eric looks tired, and this was like when there was like two minutes left in the match, so it's not like it was five minutes into the match or anything, but he was definitely showing signs where Hetrosero probably could have gone another fifteen twenty minutes. I'm not sure if Eric could have gone another fifteen or twenty minutes. But they did a lot of cool stuff. They did everything you would expect. Eric got on his submission. And the only thing is, I don't think the crowd actually believed Eric was going to win at any point. That was definitely one of the things that I think helped, held the match slightly back from what it could have been. But it's okay, because the crowd wanted Hechicero to win. Hechicero did win when he caught Eric jumping off the top rope right into his... Oh, man, does he even have a name for that? Is it the Dark Magic submission? Yeah, it's Magia Negra. Okay, so he got him in the Magia Negra. And the crowd went crazy. I mean, the crowd reactions for this match were crazy because they just loved seeing Hechicero. I mean, when you buy a ticket for 200 pesos, 250 pesos, whatever it was, for a small little show at a Reina Feminil, the last thing you're thinking is, I'm getting a Hechicero singles match. So this crowd was just absolutely elated. And at this point, right there, like you said it earlier, the show had already over-delivered. Yeah, the that I do you have that as the best match or do you have another match as the best match? I have another match as the best match. And before you go on, just to say that my thought after the match was because I knew what the main event was, and I was thinking in my head, uh oh, is Hachi Sarah gonna get in trouble for being here? Yeah, I noticed after the show he was slow coming out of the locker room. He was not out of the locker room until late. And I don't know if he was just trying to keep from having to sign too many autographs or if he was trying to wait for maybe some of the people from the other promotion to clear out so he wouldn't be caught in photos with them. Well, I talked to Hechicero after the show and I just flat out asked him, I'm like, hey, are you going to get in trouble for this? Like, they give you permission or what's the deal? And he actually had one of the lines of the night. It's a common phrase for, is it for Monterey or for him? I forget how he explained it. But he said, I would rather... 
ask for forgiveness than beg for as relates to asking the CMO office. So I'm assuming it's going to be okay because it was unadvertised. I mean, you're the guy who does the database, puts all the cards in the databases. There are rare occasions where, let's say, a Guerrero Maya will end up on a show with Rush, right? Yeah. You'll see, especially, I mean, last year was a turno showing up on cards at CML people and no one really paying attention. Yeah, I mean, the CML office is so whack. Their, their rules are so weird. I mean, we have Sobrano Jr. working matches with the Lucha Brothers at Lucha Vavum, but, or we have Cabernario on Independence Day working a match with the Lucha Bro- with the Lucha Brothers in Arena Lopez Mateos, but CML won't let him go to Bola because the Lucha Brothers are there. So, you know, when stuff like this happens, you can never, that's why it's impossible to know if CML is going to allow something or not. So I admire Hechicero for just saying, you know what, I'm booked on the show, I want to do it, I'm going to do it, let's see what they say afterwards. And I, clearly the only thing was just don't put him in a match with a AAA guy and Eric Ortiz is independent, so it worked out. Yeah. Uh, it was good of him to take that chance when other people might have not taken that chance. Oh, for sure. I know that definitely there was at least one other CML guy contacted for this show that didn't want to do it. And, uh, well, I'll get into later the AAA situation. But uh, the next match is the total opposite of what we just talked about with theme music because having recognizable theme music definitely helped for match four. Yeah. The fourth match was... It started with the Un-Mexicans, who were Kaintai and Byron, who are undefeated in Riot, who are also always doing hardcore matches in Riot, um, coming out and explain, and saying hi to everyone, but explaining that they, they were there not to wrestle because they didn't have any opponents. And then they were surprised by the music for Bicia and Damien Seis who started the match with them right away. And it was a complete brawl in the usual un-Mexicans fashion. Um, Damien and Bicia were so over, especially Damien. Um, that was the first time... I, either of them had been in the promotion, and I don't think anyone there was expecting for them to show up. No, definitely not. When the Oye Komova hit over the loudspeaker, you could see like the crowd just lose their mind. And then when they come out of the locker room, it was the biggest pop. Honestly, out of all the surprise guys, I think the, I think this was a bigger pop than Hechicero because you had the theme music plus when and I. I think this was a this the only thing that beat this. I think was the pop for Bandito. I, I ranked it Bandito's pop, the Familia de Tijuana, and Black Taurus in that order as the top three. You was yeah, I think it's the same. Or... I, I would say about the same. I'm just distracted because I realize I'm sorry to the people listening to the podcast. I've been muting my Skype mic when I blow my nose, but apparently that does not remove the recording that I'm also the other one I'm doing. So maybe it'll work out fine. But um, yeah, I would say that Damien would. I would say Damien, I would say Bandito, Hetrocero, Damien, but maybe even Damien ahead of Hetrocero because they were just very surprised. Even after the match, they were giving Damien a huge standing ovation. Or not standing ovation, but it's a huge reaction. So he was unexpectedly one of the more popular guys on the show. This was the one match I had figured out beforehand. Because yeah, this actually ended up being one of the... I, I, oh, figured, I figured out it had to be on Mexicans versus BC and Damien because BC and Damien were on Alan's flight from Tijuana. And I'm like, the, the only people <laughs> they made sense to face were the Un-Mexicans and their undefeated streak. So um, that, that, that was the one I had guessed correctly. 
Yeah, this was a great decision by Fredo. It was it was a last second decision for sure because, like I said, it was supposed to be another team facing the un Mexicans. They pulled out. It turns out Bestie and Damien were free, and Fredo Fredo told me, "I think my audience is going to go crazy for it." I said, "I'm sure they'll like it. I don't know how crazy they're going to go, but Fredo definitely knows his audience." They went crazy. The match, they loved it. They were brawling all over the place. I think uh, this every riot match, every riot show I've seen has one match like this, and the fact that you had a legend like Damien in it only made it so. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. I I did not expect. I thought for sure Bestie and Damien were going over. So I was stunned. Especially they pinned Damien at the end. They cheated. To, I think they. It was a low. He went for the Valageza, and the manager uh, Dash hit the ring and low blowed Damien. I think Lord Byron ended up on top and got the pinfall. So the un Mexicans remain undefeated. And I guess we go into the March twenty eighth Trusa show wondering who are the next team that are going to show up and try to break the undefeated streak. Yeah, I, I had faith in the Unmexicans. Unmexicans are never going to lose. They're, they're going to stay undefeated for the ever and ever until we get tag team tiles, and then they'll win those two, and then we'll see from there. But yeah, I, I, the crowd really enjoyed it. They gave Damien a big ovation afterwards. Um, I talked to BCR after the show, and he was just impressed about the reaction to you, talking about how great it is to wrestle in places, even if it's a small place, when you get that sort of interaction with the fans and the fans are so into the match, it's even better than wrestling in a much larger place. So I think they would love to come back if they if Wright has a, a place to bring them back some time down the line. But I believe the next Wright show happens to overlap with the next Crash show, so they probably won't be on that one. Yeah, that's that's a fact. And... They came off as superstars. That's the thing about the reaction in a small place like this. You really come off as a super big deal when you see, I think uh, the Riot Twitter account actually tweeted out the entrance today. So people can watch it for themselves if you check out their Twitter account. Did they have the intermission after that, if I'm remembering right? Yes. This is where they went to intermission and some of the guys came out to sell stuff who hadn't been who had wrestled already, so it was okay to show their faces. That was one of the funny things that I wanted to mention earlier, is that last time we were here was for La Riña, the two-day tournament, back in August. And I remember it was so hot that weekend that the wrestlers hated being in the back because there's you know just a giant fan, but it's so hot that a lot of the wrestlers came out and they were watching the matches from the steps just because it's warmer, back. It's, it's cooler back in the, in the arena than sitting in the back. And I kept feeling for them. They're like, oh, no, what if the same thing is going on tonight and they can't come out from the back because it's a surprise? But it wasn't a warm night, so I'm sure they were. Yeah, it was nice and cool during that show, which is nice also because it was so packed that if it was a hot show, that would have been a very tough show to get through. But it was nice weather for a, a packed building. The the match after intermission was, it started out as Madness versus Kilcorn, and I thought it was very strange that they were going to do a rematch from November, but then Black Taurus showed up to be the third person. Um, he eventually won the match. I forget which guy he pinned. This was the weakest match on the show. Um, Kilcorn just came off as sloppy. He has a, a great gimmick for a right crowd, but his offense... His his work has just hasn't piled together in this couple of appearances in right. And Madness is a guy who seems like physically he should be better than what he puts together in matches so far. He really I, there have been moments where he's looked good in right, but he has not really had a great all around match that I can think of. 
Um, Torch looks good, but Torch always looks good. Yeah, Torch was, of course, the star here. I thought it was hilarious when they did the entrances and they had the two guys, they had Kilcorn facing off with Madness in the ring, and the crowd didn't even waste a second. They started chanting, Ultra, Lucha, so they want a different match. And I was like, oh, this is going to be such a disaster. And then Torres' music hits, and I'm like, okay, this will be fine, because the crowd went crazy when he stepped out of the curtain. There were some people that recognized his music, not all, but when he came out of the curtain, everybody went crazy for him. He went on the killing spree early in the match, taking out both guys. He was just in a totally different league than these guys. And I know that's unfair, because Torres is in another league, no matter where he's going to be, whether it's a PWG show, an Impact show, you name it. I think Torres is next level. The you know, and you put him against guys like this, you know, I know I talked about this with Fredo before, so he's not going to be surprised hearing it. I don't get Kill Corden. I know that he's been training a long time. He's been working with Penta down at the, the it's not called the Crash, the C-A-R, the Central Alto. Alto Central Alto Yeah, I'm not giving you a try. Yeah, why are we letting you do this? <laughs> but they, uh, he's been training there for a while. He used to be... Uh, Shit, what was that old game? Cronus, right? Yes, Cronus, and he was Holocausto for about half a minute in AAA. Right, and he got hurt, so that was the end of that. But he always is this guy that everybody says has so much potential. He's got some size to him, which is good for a Mexican wrestler. But he just he hasn't put it together yet. Even on the, the last show, like I just I find the stuff that he does really sloppy. And then when you put him in the ring with Madness, who, you know, Madness has a bad deal at Riot. I mean... Fredo loves him. He's definitely got a lot of raw talent that you're waiting to see come through. But the crowd, they shit on him. It's kind of like, I want to say like the Roman Reigns thing, where they know that the promoter likes him, but they don't. So they boo him because they don't think that he belongs on the show. And you can see it gets to him sometimes in the matches. So he'll mess up stuff. When Taurus was out of the ring in this match, it was really like watching bad, bad indie. They were messing up everything. There was one really bad spot I remember. Do you remember where Cronus had a submission on Taurus, who was on the mat, and then Madness like jumped at him, and I guess Cronus was supposed to catch him in a submission so he could have both guys, but they just tumbled over and fell down. It was really bad. Yeah, that that was a low moment. And the, the, crowd, the crowd definitely let them know about it and was booing them. The good thing is, though, Taurus was here, so every time it got to a point where it was falling off the rails. Taurus just jumped in there, did his moves, killed people, and it was good. Taurus did his Rodeo driver on the apron on Madness, but Madness had fallen off the apron, and Taurus basically had to pick him back up. Just, you know, this was definitely the worst match of the night. I'm sure we're both going to agree on that. And Taurus went over, which is cool. Hopefully he gets to come back for the next show. I, I don't know. If I, I was Fredo, I might try to to prepare madness especially with someone who's more more of a veteran on another show because he definitely need, seems like a guy who needs to be led through the matches that he does and a guy like Kill Corden is not going to help him a guy like Mordek Strema is not going to help him he just needs experience on the other side to guide him but the potential is there, don't get me wrong Kill Corden, the jury is out Yeah, I think both of them are, are better off working with more experienced people but do you want to I don't, I don't want to say waste, but it would be a, lo- a lot less special match if an experienced person is working with them instead of another experienced person. So 
it may not be completely possible to make that work. The other thing you could always do is maybe turn him heel, because <laughs> the crowd hates him anyways. So why why keep fighting it? Yeah, you could do that. I, I kind of feel like he already is a heel. He felt like he was a heel in this last match. So, but that that made it weird because both him and Kilcorn seemed like they were heels. So it was just a strange situation. And if he's going to be a heel, if I mean, if he was a heel here, I certainly couldn't tell it. And his his offense has to be more heelish. Like he can't keep doing the stuff that he does. He's very acrobatic but he doesn't know how to set up his acrobatic stuff i don't know if i'm explaining that right but like he does a cool tornillo but he basically just had to like drag the guy drag kill corden into position walk over to the ropes and do the tornillo there's no fluidity to it but i think he's now only just into his second year back from returning to action so i'm hoping that he gets better yeah i I, I think he, I think he's worth giving more shots to, but he's got to he's got to show some improvement. Yep. And then the semi-main event was a five-way. Go ahead. Go ahead. It was a, a five-way. It was it, it was a please don't die invitational, which have all turned out to be five ways with Jimmy from the nerds from who used to be from DTU but does not appear to be from DTU anymore. But now from Dragon Gate, Aramis, Iron Kid. Baby Extreme and Blake Christian from GCW. Uh, Wright had advertised that a person from a foreigner who had not been in Mexico would debut on the show. And I think that's where the Will Ospreay rumors started from. But it was, <laughs> it, they also said it was someone who was in the news that week. And I, Blake Christian had had some crazy match, but Will Ospreay had also been in the news for some reason. So I think that's how people got that confused. Not many people, if any people, seemed to know who Blake Christian was when he came out. But he got over, especially in the second half of the match, and it seemed like he took over the match. Uh, I think it was also surprised that Aramis was over a bit, but not as much as I thought. And Iron Kid, even though he's been there a few times, did not get much of a reaction. But I thought this was a match that that held together the best, although there were some moments. I think Jimmy overall looked good, but he seemed like he had the most moments where things did not seem to go exactly how he wanted. Um, but there were spectacular spots. There's a a new killer Aramis Tope where people might have died, and but I didn't see anyone card out. That's the only reason why I know no one died. But no one saw the Tope coming, the Tope coming, and he just flagged some people. Um, Baby Extreme continues. He had another match where he did not die halfway through the match, which is setting a new streak for him. Um, I think Christian, I've. The fans still did not know Christian's name by the end of the match, but he he had a. He has red hair and a, a pale complexion, so they started chanting Canelo at him. And that was his name by the end of the match, and they were very loudly chanting it. So he got over, just not with his normal name, and it worked out for them. But I think I think you probably have this as the best match. I think it's really close one and two for this and the Hatcher Ortiz match. But they were two very different matches. No, I do not have this as the best match, actually. Wow. The, uh, no, the, the, I get big time exposed when I post my videos from this match so I'll just out myself now I didn't know who Jimmy was when he came out when Jimmy came out I thought it was Baby Extreme so I'm actually on video telling Maureen oh that's Baby Extreme so and so and then Baby Extreme came out later and I'm like wait no that's Baby Extreme who's the and, then, and I'm like oh shit that's Jimmy he he has gotten an amazing shit He's on that Dragon Gate workout plan. Oh, yes. He is definitely not a nerd anymore. 
He looks uh, really good. He he was super over in this match. That surprised me because, I don't know, I just didn't think, he, it's not like he has a history in Monterey or anything, and he was just in Japan for like four months. So I didn't know how the crowd would take to him, but they, they, they fucking loved him. It was amazing. Like you said, that's one of the things about the, the Riot crowd. If they don't know who you are, or sometimes they even know you, they will come up with a cute name to call you. Like, I can't remember what it was, but Kill Corden looked like some famous children's thing or something from TV. And they were chanting that at him because he was wearing like a blue outfit. And so here they had Canelo was Blake Christian. They, uh, they call Iron Kid Bandidito because he looks like a mini version of Bandito. They, they go Rey Mysterio for Latigo because they think he looks like him and he does the 619 just to mess with them during matches. So the Riot crowd is very inter- interactive, and they like to—they're very different than the average crowd you'll see in, in Mexico City, for example. So the five-way was fine. I mean, it was a please don't dive, so it was exactly what you wanted. There were dives, there were crazy moves. Uh, like you said, there were only a couple things that didn't go right. I mean, Jimmy tried his jumping code red, and that didn't work out. I definitely recognize that not going right. Aramis was trying to do this awesome spot where he spun. I think Baby Extreme in midair and was trying to catch him into the torture rack spinning bomb, but he couldn't hold him, but he just picked him up and did the torture rack bomb anyways. Aramis did his tope at the same time that Baby Extreme, that Iron Kid did a crazy dive. And I was just watching the tope, so I didn't even see what Iron Kid did until I saw a video later on. But that was an amazing spot. They did a sequence of dives where it just, the crowd just got louder and louder. I mean, going through the moves won't even matter at this point. You've got to wait to see the video. The only, if you want me to nitpick the match, I guess my nitpick part, the final came down to uh, who was with Blake at the end. Was it was it Baby or Jimmy? Do you remember by any chance? Oh, no, am I disconnected? I, no, I left my on mute while I was blowing my nose. I think it was Jimmy who was at oh, the okay. end. <laughs> okay, so it was Blake. It was Blake and Jimmy, and you know the three guys were still in the match, but they were just standing at ringside watching. And I think the finish went on because they did like two or three minutes back and forth, which is fine. But there was no spot that took those other three guys out. So you're just watching these guys do the spots with the guys watching them. And I'm like, somebody should be breaking up the pin here. It doesn't really look realistic. But it is what it is. I mean, it, it didn't detract from the match that much. It was just something that stuck out to me. But it was good. Like you said, Blake really got over in the second half of the match to the point where afterwards the crowd chanted, please come back, which I think was the goal because Blake is coming back on March 28th. Someone would be really bad if he did bad and they were like, please don't come back. So everything worked out. I think uh, Aramis... Aramis, I think, is the best out of these five guys, and he definitely took a step back in this match and let everybody else basically take the shine, which was very good of him. Yeah, it was a it was a spectacular match as these five boys usually are. So everyone got a a few big moments in it, and I'm interested. So that means you had the main event as the best match of the night, right? That is correct. And, like, when you get the VOD or whatever, the, I think the VOD is supposed to go up next week. Don't quote me on that. Sometimes it takes longer. But the five-way is a type of match where you can watch it on video and you'll probably get the exact same experience we did in the building. Whereas, like we were saying with the TJ show, that hardcore match is not going to translate 
as well on video. So that's the good thing about that's my shill toward the riot show. Our descriptions are not going to you're not going to care one way or the other of our description that we like moves from the five way. But when you'll see it, that's when you'll go to appreciate the fact that we loved it. And yes, I had the main event as the best match and I had the semi main as the second best match. So the main event, it started with Latigo and Aries out there and they set up for a title match when suddenly they were they were interrupted by Flamita's music and then Flamita's music stopped and then Flamita's music started again and then Flamita came out and it looked like a three-way match for the title. But Flamita pulled out his phone and he was getting a phone call on it and he he talked to the person on the phone and the person and apparently the, he, he gave a thumbs up and so we had one more come out and it was Bandito. So it became Bandito and Flamita versus Aries and Latigo. I wasn't. It took me a few seconds to be sure if this was supposed to be a tag match or a, a singles match or a four-way match, but it ended up being a tag. Um, Mexi Blood as a team, since they have just so much more experience being as a team, they looked they looked on a different level than Aries and Latigo in that regards. But Aries and Latigo held with them in sequences. Um, I, you, you got the full effort out of these guys on the show, as you often get on, as you got often got on this whole card. And I thought this was an exciting match. I don't remember. I feel like something went wrong in this match too, and I can't remember what. But it's like none of the matches made out of the show perfect. But I think this was a, a another exciting match on the show with. Yeah, I'm gonna criticize our buddy Fredo right off the bat because I love doing that when they. They knew, I don't know how early they knew they were going to do the phone bit, but once they realized it, or once they, they should have put it on, they should have recorded the conversation and just played it over the loudspeaker instead of theme music because it, it didn't, it was weird. I don't know. It just came off weird to me. Flamita was like talking to his phone. I couldn't hear it from where I was. I'm assuming that he wasn't actually having a conversation. But it would have been cool to hear Bandito on the phone, like, hey, Hermano, I'm in, t- I'm in town. What are you up to tonight? Oh, I need a partner. And then Bandito's music hits. I think the crowd was just confused at first. And then when they realized what was going on, it was just way too obvious. It would have been cool to hear it. But once Bandito's music hit, the crowd went crazy. He came out. I mean, I knew it was a tag match, but I knew in advance. So I could see why some people might have been confused and thinking it was a four-way. The, I thought this was great. I mean, like you said... I, I think the part you're referring to, the thing go right, there was the move where Flamita assists Bandito into a Phoenix 450, and Bandito landed on his feet. Usually that's a pretty sick. When you do hit that move, it's always pretty close, whether you're going to clear with your feet or not. And I think he was really worried he was going to drive both feet into RS, so he took a little off it. And by taking a little off it, he basically landed back on his own feet. So there was that. There was the finish, which you'll get to after I talk about my, my, uh, my thoughts of the match. The match was great. Like, these guys are four of the best in the world. It's just fucking unbelievable how good these guys are. Even a guy like the least known guy in this match is probably Latigo, and he was going 100 miles per hour, just doing incredible stuff in this match. They did the spot that I've been waiting them that ours has been trying with a couple different guys, where he does a tope, and as he's doing the tope, he gets caught and turned into a satellite head scissors on the floor. He has always failed at it with Torres, with Steve Payne. I think with Gringo, he failed with it. Now with Flamita, he hit it 85%. His foot touched the ground on one of the rotations, but otherwise it went fine. And they did all the sequence of dives. They did all this cool finisher countering in the ring. 
I like the Ares and Latigo did the dance that Bandito and Flamita do to mock them, so established them as the heels in the match. More so, I think Latigo was the only real heel in the match because the crowd respects Ares as the champion. But Flamita and Bandito, Bandito was like clearly the super technical on this show. They loved him. There's a lot of cool stuff, and then uh, you can describe the finish because you thought it was a serious injury. Yeah, it, Flamita did the 450, and he came down hard on Latigo's knees, it looked like. So Latigo got pinned, and then he was having trouble getting back to his feet with the referee checking on him. There might have been some a doctor came in or checked. I can't remember. Um, while that's going on, Aries gets a – Bandito gets a microphone and challenges – starts to challenge Aries to a tile match. Aries starts to respond, but then Latigo follows him from behind, and Aries can never get around to answering it. Um, Latigo l- gets up and limps off, but it feels like maybe that that might be the next tile match instead, or that they or they might be doing something else. But that's how the show ends. Yeah, the uh, I knew it wasn't an injury but afterwards. When the ref was like holding Flamita back, Flamita got a couple kicks in on the leg. And I'm thinking, if that's a real injury, there's no way Flamita is kicking his leg. He's going to be concerned about him and check on him. So, but it was a good swerve because you had Latigo lying there getting checked on. So you thought he was completely out of the equation and was done for the night. And then he gets up out of nowhere and low blows Ares. And I'm pretty sure that that is going to be the title match on March 28th, unless something crazy changes before the. Uh, yeah, this was my best match of the night. I, I think this will hold up on video. I'm hoping that it does because I think that it'll just be even more eyes on how amazing Latigo and Ares both. I was so excited when I found out this match was happening. I was so depressed when I found out this match might not happen, which I'm sure we got to get into now. Uh, what do you want? You want me to tell the story, or do you want do you want to sum it up and then I go from there? You know what? Let's take a quick break to restart the phone conversation because you're getting more scratchy and maybe if we redo it, if we restart it from there you'll clear up a little bit. So I'm going to pause the conversation but you're not going to be able to tell at home because I'm just going to put the next part right after it. So just a second here. It's Okay, now we're starting to record. Okay. Um, yeah, this is going to sound great when we put it together. Okay, so we were just talking about Aries. So why, do you want to tell the story? I mean, I would love to tell the story, and I know Fredo would love to, me to tell the story because he wants to see me get in trouble. But you can't get in trouble for telling the truth. So, uh, Ares took this booking way back when. They knew they were doing this riot show on February 1st, months ago, even back when they did the previous show in November. They knew it was happening. So, he's the champion. Obviously, he's going to be on the show. Whether he's publicly announced or if you're going to a promotion. If PWG runs Mystery Vortex, everybody assumes Bandito's going to be there because Bandito's the champion. Is that a correct assumption? Yes, I think that's the same assumption. Cubs? Okay. So when do you remember seeing online that Ares was showing up at MLW? That was not until... That was maybe three, four weeks before the show. I can't remember exactly. I'm not having a good day with memory, so... You may remember better than I do. Well, since I got all tied up in this, I do remember it was basically three weeks and a day. So we're talking 22 days before the February. Myron Reed for the title. This 
came as a surprise to not only Fredo, not only me, not only you. This came as a surprise to Iris because Iris had not been contacted about any. He found out just by reading it on Twitter. He did not do any retweets. He did not advertise the show because as far as he was concerned, he was booked for Riot and nobody had contacted him about that MLW date. So the problem, you know, well, AAA is tied in with MLW. I think everybody knows that Conan's the guy who brings talent into, into MLW. And Ariz was basically told, you have to come do this MLW show, that this is your chance. You know, you had been asking. And that's, that's true. There's no lie. Ariz had been asking Conan, can you help me? Because I want to break into the States. Get me some dates. We've seen this in the past, in the case with Sammy Guevara, in the case, with, in the case of Puma King, where they've been given dates that they had no idea, especially with MLW, where they had no idea they were even booked on the show. But it was just assumed, hey, you know, you work for AAA, you go where we tell you, and forget whatever else you have going on in your life, this is where you're supposed to be. The problem is, Riot has always been good to RS, and RS had agreed to this date. So it was a very tough situation for him. And he was on the fence in the weeks leading up to the show. He, he had to balance it out. He obviously loves working at AAA, but he obviously loves working in Riot too. And he has a kind of commitment to Riot way before he had a commitment to anything to do with MLW. The other thing is he had no information about this ML. He had no flight. He didn't know how he was going to get there. It was, all, it was all just him being told by Conan, you have to be here. So it got to the point where Aris had to make a decision and Aris informed Riot, you know what? I got to go to this because I think he, and this was in his words, he thought that going to ML, that if he skipped MLW, it was going to cost him his AAA gig. I assured him, no, that's not going to happen. They would never do that to you because especially a guy like Conan would never do this to you. You've gotten permission. You've, you know, you took the state in advance. You're just being a professional. But I understood where Aris was coming from. I knew he was in a tough spot. So one of the things that was kind of suggested was, will AAA send somebody as a make good? Because Riot had already bought plane tickets, hotel, everything was set in stone. And they basically just had their champions taken from them for no reason. So you could see why Fredo and Riot would have an issue with it. As the week, the actual week of the show came, Ariz was back, was back, you know, maybe I'll go to Riot instead, go back and forth. Because he still didn't have a ticket from MLW. And he hadn't promoted the MLW show. That's the key that I want to point out. There was no, you, if you were a fan watching this, there was no, Ariz was not teasing anybody. He made it clear he was going to Riot on his social media and with any. So we fast forward to maybe four days out from the show. That's when it gets low. Or no, sorry. Uh, what day did AAA tape TV in Mexico City? It was the. The day after GCW, so it was like January 25th, right? Yeah. So he, just looking at the dates, he was announced for MLW on January 23rd. And then he worked for the AAA TV two days later in Mexico City. And in between, he had worked GCW in LA. Yeah. So, so he made his commitment. He went back to the AAA show. And at the AAA show, he was, he was, he was under, put under extreme pressure that, hey, don't give us any excuses or don't give me any excuses to the person he was talking with. They're like, you're going to be at MLW. Don't bother with Riot. It's a small time promotion. You know, doesn't matter if you had a date with them. This is more important to you. And it was stressed to him that if he goes to MLW, he's going to get an MLW contract. That's the key to this. 
it wasn't said to him that you're going to have the option of signing an MLW contract. It was told to him, you're going to MLW and you're getting a contract. So it was pretty black and white. You're signing this contract. Am I, am I explaining this right, Cubs? You understand, right? Yeah, I'm following along. Okay. I just want to make sure. You stop me if I'm, not, if I'm missing a point in the story. Because I've been through it so much at this point that I'm kind of sick of talking about it. But the point is, you know, Ares was put in a really bad situation again. So he told Riot, listen, I can't do it. I have to go. I don't want to work MLW. I don't want to sign a contract with MLW. He was very open about this. He wasn't bullshitting anybody. Yes, he wants to work in the U.S. And yes, he would be more than happy to take any MLW date in the future where it wasn't, where he wasn't having to ditch another commitment that he made, but he had no intention of signing a contract. So then we had third parties get involved to try to work out the situation and come to a compromise. And it reached a point where basically three days before the show, Ares was given his final ultimatum. By the way, no ticket for MLW still, no plane ticket. He was given the ultimatum all the time. Forget about coming to the next TV taping. Which would be Guadalajara. Say, can you back up again and say Aris, the ultimatum he gave? Because you kind of cut out that part. He was given an ultimatum. Either you're doing this show or forget about even the next TV taping that you're booked on, which would be the Guadalajara show on the, on the 22nd, which at the time we had no lineup announced for, but Ares knew he was booked on it. Is that good? Yeah, that's good. Okay. So Ares, I mean... Total pro, stuck to his guns, knew the consequences of what might happen, even though I, me, was specifically told this wouldn't happen. But he stuck to his guns and said, no, I'm sorry. You know, I'm sticking to my commitment with Riot. Uh, I'm not going to go. I don't need to sign an MLW contract. You know, happy to work with them in the future, just not this time. And Iris, for a short amount of time, was relieved of his duties, fired, however you want to put it, from AAA and was told his services would no longer be quiet on the taping on the 22nd. Now, people listening to this are panicking, oh, Ares is fired from AAA. No. Cooler heads prevailed within the day, and everything was ironed out to the point where it was told to him, you know what, don't worry, it'll still be okay, we're just disappointed in you. And it was at this point where what magically appeared in Ares's inbox was plane tickets for the MLW show. Now, for those who don't understand why this would happen, even though they knew he wasn't coming, this is what promotions will do to get the upper hand on talent. So in the future, they can say, they can leak a story to a certain, let's say, the Wrestling Observer and be like, oh, Ares no-showed. We bought him a flight and he just decided not to come. That is not true. If you see that story, it's completely false. They bought the ticket just for insurance to cover their own asses. They knew he wasn't coming. Uh, you may know that another guy was booked on that show named Puma King, who works for AAA, he made it clear he wasn't going to that show. He didn't end up on that show. He was not. It was just Ares, a vulnerable first match guy who has less clout than Puma, who was threatened. Kind of a bullshit move, if you ask me. And, you know, like I was told that this wouldn't happen to Ares if he made this decision and it happened, even briefly, even though they went back and they said everything was cool afterwards. So, Ares went through a lot to be on the show, is the point I'm trying to make here. Another point I'm trying to make is keep an eye on Ares' role in AAA. You know, he, he 
he's on the poster for the show. On the t- I think he'll end up being there. I, I hope AAA wouldn't be as petty enough as to take him off the show and take him off future TV tapings for just being a professional and keeping. But the you know the story needs to be out there that this that this is this was a bad business practice by both AAA and MLW for advertising two guys that they knew wouldn't be. Uh, I will tell you for a fact. Loretto Kid was a last-second substitute just because it would have looked really bad if both AAA guys showed up. So, I mean, I'm not you know who brought Loretto Kid there and basically told him to be on the show. Uh, yeah, am I missing anything? Because you know the story too. No, I think you cut out a little bit, but I think we got. I think most of it. I think hopefully people understood what you're saying. But yeah, it's going to look bad if if Aries is pulled off. Triple A shows in retribution for not working an MLW show that he was not even he had no time really agreed to do book he had no gr- time agreed to work and was kind of assigned to it without even asking if he was free for that day. It's not also it's also what happened with Aries and what happened with Puma King does not seem like it's the first time that's happened between MLW and people that might have been booked by Conan because there was a situation was it last year with Sammy Guevara where. He was advertised for shows, but he was never going to actually work those shows. And it was unclear why he was still being advertised for shows. So this is a re- recurring problem. I, it is possible that MLW is not getting the full story because when they pass along their information to people like The Observer and PW Insider, it always comes off as, very, as not the full version of the story or not correct at all. And I don't know if that's MLW spinning it themselves or MLW getting a fun story from Conan or somebody else. But it, it, it feels like I, I w- the only good thing so far to come of this is I was expecting that, that I would be opening the Observer today and read Aries getting, getting, um, getting ripped for not showing up to the MLW show. And it seems like they went instead with a story that it's, uh, Maybe that impact was somehow keeping Aries from appearing on the show, which didn't make any sense. It does not fit in here anyways, but it's it, it hopefully Aries just keeps working, gets to work AAA, and there's no more that people get asked to work shows before they're actually announced for shows. That would be an improvement, but um, I don't have great confidence that's going to be the way it works out. But at least credit for the Aries for I mean, he could have big timed. Right, and worked for MLW, and he held true to his word. So whatever happens from this, you have to give him credit for um, being professional in that way. Yeah, the easiest decision here would have been just Ira saying, I'm going to lose my TV shot, my TV gig if I don't do this. So I'm sorry, Fredo, I'm not coming. And that would have been the end of the story. But, you know, I think, like, like I said, a lot of the factor that contributes to this is just that Ares has no interest in signing those MLW contracts. You know, people have said negative things about them. I have experience with both the contracts and working with MLW. I think MLW knows exactly what they're doing when they spread the false narrative to the sheets. And I don't fault Ares at all for his decision. And, you know, people are going to listen to this and they're going to run onto Twitter and get things out of, out of context or they're going to send it to Conan and he's going to go on his radio show without listening to this and criticize what we said, probably call us uninformed, even though I was literally at the center of all this when it was, I'm not burying Conan for what happened here. I am disappointed in how he reacted 
when Ares said he was going to choose Riot because I think that if the situation was reversed and Ares had a date with MLW and said, you know what, I'm going to go to Riot because it's a better opportunity for me, I think MLW would have reacted exactly the same way as Riot did and had been angry at the situation that was going on. So I think it was very unfair of Conan to do that. But to Conan's credit, I know Conan just wants the best for Ares and he thinks that that was the best for Ares. It was just a disagreement, and Ares didn't think it was the best for him. Hopefully, this is just a situation where it happened, it's over, we're going to move on. For all we know, Ares could end up working the March 13th MLW show in Tijuana. Who knows? That will be interesting in itself, because so far we've had a completely split crew of the guys who work Impact and the guys who work MLW. And then today we saw Vikingo was announced for the MLW show. So you got to figure Impact's not going to be happy with that because Vikingo had been an Impact exclusive. How it plays out, maybe we'll do another podcast afterwards and see how it plays out. My guess right now would be Vikingo does not end up working that MLW show somehow. I just think that something will happen where, oops, he doesn't end up on that show to keep Impact happy because, you know, AAA's got to balance both sides. They're working with basically three different companies right now, and you've got to figure all three companies want Vikingo at this point. Yeah, everyone knows how good Vikingo is, and everyone wants him on theirs and that and their show and then their promotion. And obviously, there's a bigger story there. That I mean, we are interested. If you're listening to this podcast, Aries is a guy you all know, and you probably, hopefully, maybe like his work. But Vikingo is obviously a much bigger deal at this point, and that Vikingo is not working these bigger promotions outside of Mexico. Just only when they come to Mexico is a bigger deal. So, um, how, and go ahead. And there's a, there's a, you know, there's a reason I'm not going to go deep into it, but there's a reason Vikingo has interests from three companies, two of which could probably offer him really good deals and get him the visa. And he hasn't showed up there yet. You know, I'm not going to open a can of worms and go into what I think the reason is, but there, it's not a coincidence. I think Vikingo is also just like we talked about with Iris is in a really bad spot right now. And I'm hoping that it gets cleared up. I'm hoping the best happens for his career. I don't want to see him be turned into a pawn for AAA in any way. That's the most I'll say about it. So let's hope it works out. And let's hope they get, hey, if MLW is looking for a guy with a lot of talent, let's get Latigo on that TJ show. And if MLW can come through with all their promises of good contracts for people and a visa for people, Go get Latigo. Latigo is an amazing talent. He was probably one of the two best guys in this main event that featured Bandito, Flamita, and Ares. Let's get our, let's get Latigo going. But uh, back to the Riot show so we don't get too off topic. I think that match quality-wise, I've seen much better Riot shows overall, especially both nights of La Reina. And the last surprise show I went to, uh, the previous surprise show back in February with Bandito versus Sammy Guevara. But in terms of an entertaining show, an exciting show, like I would have been so sad to be sitting at home and reading these results and have not been there live. How about you? Yeah, I would have been. I was thinking the same thing. I don't know. I'm, int- I'm curious to see how it's going to come across on video because you won't have the surprise factor and you may not have the same atmosphere feeling. But in the, sh- in the building, it was... A, it was a crowd who was very excited for everyone who was coming out. And when you just saw the matches listed, they were like, 
they're the matches you would like to see on a big show. And they all the, the matches came true. But I mean, just looking at the lineup, they could, like we said, they could have gone with Heterosero Ortiz as the main event on some show. They could have done the main event they actually did. Even the, I don't think the five way would have been as big names, but I think they've had main event, they've had semi main events or main events that have not been that far off from that five way match. So it was a, it was an overloaded show where people got more than I think they were even expecting for a surprise show. And like I said, we're bearing the lead here that there was talent from AAA, CMLL, Crash. This is quite the accomplishment by Riot. Uh, I'm very happy that it worked out ticket-wise. It was, it was very much a party atmosphere after the show. Everyone was happy. No injuries to anybody. That's a good thing. I think Iguana got cut on his head early in the match, but that's about it. And I mean, I'm so happy. I want to go back to Riot. I don't know if I'm going to make it for the March 28th show. I want, it could prove to be difficult with travel. But if you're a person who has not been to Riot before, I mean, they are coming back with La Reina this year. It's going to happen. I, I don't know if it's going to be August like it was last year, but it's going to be another two-night thing. And you guys should come out there. I mean, you wrote in your blog your entry about this show. You compared it to PWG. And I don't want to go overboard. I know people roll their eyes. Oh, it's his friend's promotion. He's just trying to sell it as like PWG Mexico. But it's hard not to compare it to PWG because they are literally doing the PWG Mystery Vortex concept for this show. <laughs> and it's, it's got all the comparables about tickets selling out in advance, surprise atmosphere, people with their own crazy chance, wrestlers who are more happy to work there than they are to work in front of bigger crowds. You know, the Bucks used to talk about that, that they used to hate working Impact or TNA. They, it was just they were the soul's... I forget the exact quote, but like their souls were getting sucked out working these shows, doing nothing. And then they would come to PWG and they would be reinvigorated with life. And you could see that every top guy on the show, even a guy like Hechicero, who was working for the 10,000 plus people in Arena Mexico, he worked so hard on this show. He was not mailing it in. A guy like Taurus was working hard. Bandito, who you would think would be saving himself with his crazy great ROH contract, was doing crazy dives to the floor, all his big spots. He busted out a new shooting star press variation I haven't seen before. You know, people love working Riot. The crowd appreciates it, and the crowd has a standard that they expect when they go to a Riot show. So if people are looking for a fun show to check out, I would say, you know, look for when La is announced and come out. I'm going to be there. It's going to be a great time. Yeah, I think I'm not making it back to the March show, but I think unless something happens, I'm definitely coming out for La Reina just because... It's two days worth of shows, so it makes it a little bit easier to travel. Especially, I don't have to travel in between them, but it's, I think it's, I think it's a show's worth going out of your way to see, or at least watching the video when it turns up later. My final complaint, and I hope you're listening, Fredo, is at no point was it made clear that the post-show food would be tamales. I wanted tacos. Yeah, it's Mexico. You had plenty of other chances to get tacos, though. Yeah, but I love the tacos that they usually have after the show, and I'm not a big fan of tamales, to put it lightly. So, oh, well, what can you do? Yeah. So, it is already about 40 minutes before CML, so we have one more show to talk about that you went to. I tried to go home. I got on my flight early Sunday morning, and we sat there on the plane for an hour, which was very fun because apparently they could not 
properly the computer the way the airplane was not working so they manually had to do it and i was so tired i wanted to fall asleep the whole time but i was very afraid that as soon as i fell asleep they were going to ask us to get all off the airplane and get out to a different plane which happened on my last trip so instead i just kind of stood there half awake and then we finally got going and i got home later that day and the immigration officer as i came back into chicago asked me what cities i had seen in germany so i think 70% 70% chance he was testing me, and 30% chance he was just not ma- paying any attention. But that was a weird question to be asked. Um, you went out, you hung around Monterey for Sunday and then went to Mexico City on Monday. Is that correct? Yeah, I don't want to deprive you of your Arena Mexico viewing experience, so I'll skip the part on Sunday where we were just tourists. There was no wrestling. We hung out with Mr. Guan a bit, but that was the extent of it. Monday, we had an early flight, 10.20 a.m. to get to Mexico City before noon so we could drop off our bags and head out to the Lucha Memes Mexa split show in Cuacalco that starts at 2 p.m. But Mexico time, that means 2.30. So we had plenty of time. Unfortunately, our flight got delayed over an hour. I think it ended up being like an hour and 15 minutes eventually. And then by the time we took off, there was another flight to Mexico City on the same airline scheduled for an hour after ours. And they, they took off before we did. Which, which made a lot of people mad, and I couldn't understand the logic. Like, if you have a plane there, why don't you just put us on that plane since we've been waiting anyways? But by the time we made it back and checked into the hotel, and then it was an hour to get out to the show, we were only able to see the final, I think, four matches or five matches? I think four matches on a nine-match show. So it happens. And, of course, this show came with the drama. The drama being that, of course, everybody should know already that Daniel Ledesma is the guy who runs Lucha Memes. But this was a combo show with Mexa Wrestling run by a man named Koi. And I am persona non grad. Are you banned by Ledesma or is he still friends with you? The story here, he may have me muted on Twitter at this point, but the story goes back a couple of years ago where he DM'd me to tell you that you were banned from Lucha Mummies, which was a hilarious thing that it was a hilarious DM to get. Um, so you have not been to a Lucha Mummies show since that point. I like how he DM'd the guy who I usually travel with who would not be going in the first place if I wasn't going. So basically, he was banning both of us. By just banning me. But he didn't know that. I don't even remember what caused the ban. I know that I've criticized the fact that he doesn't record shows. But I mean, full disclosure, at one point, I made an offer for his stuff to be on the High Spots network. I think it's just stubbornness. Whatever the deal is, he made it very clear the day before the message was passed on that I am not welcome at his show. And I I knew this was going to happen. So I had talked to the Mexican wrestling promoter before. And I had said to him, like, I don't want to cause any problems. I'm not looking for, for fights. Okay. I'm, if you look, if you've seen me in real life, I'm a skinny white dude. There is no way I'm showing up at Pocalco on the mere chance that I'm going to get jumped or the promoter wants to literally fist fight me before I go in the building. I'm not a tough guy. I'm not looking for something like that. So please don't take this story as coming, me coming off as this tough guy who walked into the lion's den or anything like that. The Mexican wrestling promoter invited me. He said, you are welcome. This is 50% my show. I want you there. So by the time we got out there, you know, a lot of the wrestlers who were on the show were the same guys who were at the Riot show, and they're friends of mine. They said, do not worry. Everything will be fine. We will literally walk you into the show. There will be no problems. 
So we get to the show, and one of the wrestlers came out to meet me, talk to me. The Mexico wrestling promoter came out, and he said, come on, let's go in. So we didn't go straight in. We went to, like, the entrance area where we ran into Justiciero, who is the promoter. Not the promoter. He's the owner of the Coliseo Cuacalco. He spoke to me in English. He said, listen, my house is your house. You are welcome here. I just don't want any problems. I told him, if you tell me to leave right now that it's a problem for you, I will just take an Uber and go right back to the hotel. You tell me. He said, no, you're here. You're coming to the show. You have tickets, right? And we did. We had actual tickets that we purchased. So we took our seats behind Noriko and we watched the rest of the show. The part that I don't get here, okay? Am I coming through okay? Yeah, you're good. Okay. The part that I don't understand is Ledesma is always on Twitter or Facebook, whatever it is, talking about how he doesn't record the shows because he wants to sell tickets and he wants people to be out there. Me and Maureen were ticket-buying people. We literally came from other countries to come see, and he was turning us down and didn't want to take our, t- take our money for the tickets. So I don't get it. We were doing exactly what he says, paying for tickets. All, all this drama was just making it abundantly clear to the wrestlers who told me this, that this has nothing to do with business or helping wrestlers to be seen by people who might be able to help them. This was just, I mean, all Ledesma wanted was the fact to say, hey, I got this guy kicked out or I didn't let this guy into my show. I don't understand why wrestling has to be this complicated. Like, you're a promoter. Your number one goal should be to make money. That's the whole reason we get on his case so hard about putting his shows online. This is another income source, whether it's from PivotShare or YouTube, which, by the way, they now have a YouTube channel that they're going to attempt to monitor. At no point is he going to say, I'm wrong, you know, for fighting us all these years. He's just going to do it and, you know, try to come off as the hero in the situation. But for the life of me, I don't understand why he wouldn't take our money for our tickets. But the fact is, we paid our tickets. Uh, we watched the show. There were no problems. At no point did I have any confrontation with Ledesma. Do you have the results in front of you by any chance? I do. Which match okay, did so you show up for? The three-way with Ares, Lunatic Somebody, and Brazo Doro Jr. Who was the Lunatic? Lunatic, lunatic Extreme. Okay, so this wasn't a good match at all. <laughs> this was very clunky. Brazo Doro Jr. was slipping off the ropes. I don't think Lunatic, lunatic is very much a Zona 23 type guy who, if he's not doing hardcore, there's no reason for me to be watching him. I felt bad because Ares was supposed to face Lady Flammer. But Lady Flammer got delayed. Uh, she missed her flight in Monterey. There was some sort of change, and she didn't make it, uh, which sucks because I think Ariz and Lady Flammer would have been an interesting match. Uh, it was bad. I know Ariz won. It was short, and it wasn't very good. I would not recommend seeking this out to anybody. Yeah, and then they did a bit afterwards. Do you remember what they did? Oh, yeah. Uh, Psychosis, number two, the, the one who slapped Conan came out and attacked Ares with a chair, which led to a back and forth between them that ended when Sikosi slapped Ares, which I thought was actually pretty genius because the crowd was into it. They, they were waiting for the slap to come. It was pretty heated. Uh, very good. I, I, I like that more than I like the match. Yeah, at least in the short term, Psychosis doing what he did has led to him getting more bookings, which I'm sure was the underlying idea of it all. Yeah, uh, I mean, I... I I popped when I saw him come out, and this is a very smart mark crowd, just like the Riot crowd, so they reacted very 
positively when he came out and did it. So, yeah, that happened. The Jose Manuel change was late. Yeah, that right? was that was a little bit later. Before that, you had Jimmy versus Toxin, I believe. Yeah, Jimmy versus Toxin was before the six-man. So uh, I, I was told that we missed that match, so I was really disappointed. So I was excited when they came out, and I realized we did it. This was a weird match because... You know, Ledesma is always talking about how he has the best fans in the world. And the Chicago crowd is awesome. Don't get me wrong. But they get in these points sometimes where they react to good matches by chanting Lucha Extrema, which really annoys me because you're going to get your extreme match on the show. Why do you have to infect these other matches by chanting that? And I thought this was a good match. Jimmy looked uh, just as good as he did in in Monterey at the Riot Show. And he wasn't messing up some of the spots that did go wrong at the Riot Show. Him and Toxin did some really cool stuff. They did all the crazy, like Toxin did his somersault dive to Jimmy on the floor in Quacalco, which is just, excuse me, just bonkers to see. And they did a lot of cool near falls. They did some crazy slaps with each other. Toxin murdered him with a double stomp off the top rope while Jimmy was hanging in the ropes. Jimmy was not as over to this crowd as he was to the Riot crowd, which surprised me because I thought this would be more of a crowd for him. And Toxin ended up beating Jimmy with his move. The the wrist clutch onto the knee, power bomb, it was really cool. I thought this was great. The crowd seemed a little more negative on it than me. But I think when people watch it, they'll appreciate this more. I think it'll translate really well on video. And I think that they already announced that they were going to put this up on their YouTube channel. Yeah, this is one of the two matches I said they were going to put up there. Yeah, so definitely check this. And then the other one's going to end up being... Aramis versus Latigo, but this was the type of match where, you know, the, the hype of the show is, hey, you're going to see Luchas de Cinco Estrellas, five-star matches, which you really shouldn't be saying because it's really way too much pressure on the guys. But this was a good match. I would have this somewhere around three and a half, three and three quarters. Definitely a match that people are going to want to check out. Uh, I believe the semi-main was Lassery, Acero, Iron Kid, and Lunatic Fly versus Atomic Star, Baby Star, Junior, and Five Star. Does that sound right? That sounds right. This was a very, very sloppy match. But it had all the stuff that the people wanted to see from the previous match. They brought in boards. This had a balcony dive. I mean, the boards part was funny because they kept missing. They kept setting up the boards to put guys through them. And they would just miss. I don't know how you miss, but they would end up missing. Like, how do you miss on a Death Valley driver into the corner to break a board? Somehow, Alastacero missed it and came up short. So the crowd really got on his case. And it wasn't the first time. He missed it later, too. Lunatic Fly basically exists to jump off high things. So he did his part where he climbed to the top of the bars that keep the, the covering on top of Quacalco so people can't see in and rain can't come in. And he ended up moonsaulting off of that, which got the biggest reaction of the match. The finish was the big moment where they set up a board across two chairs. You could smell the gasoline a mile away. They lit the board on fire. And, of course, do I even have to tell you what went wrong? Did the fire go out before they um, got the put someone through the board? Yes. When you're doing an outdoor show with wind and you're going up top to do a Spanish fly, you know, you only have a few seconds before that fire is going to be gone. So before, uh, I think it was Flystar could even get to the top rope. The fire went out. So it was pretty anticlimactic. But it was, you know, it was what it was. This was definitely a match 
I'm not going to remember that. I couldn't even remember it 10 minutes later, to be quite honest. It was whatever it was. I think it was very, very much for the crowd there because the crowd wanted Lucha Extremo. And I'm not sure, since I wasn't there, if they had gotten it yet. So you kind of had to do it at this point on the show because the main event guys definitely weren't going to do it. It was whatever. I, I wouldn't say it was uh, Cinco Estrellas Lucha. And then the main event was Aramis and Latigo, and it sounds like that was the best match on the show. This was night and day to every other match that I had seen on the show. This was just like when we saw when we talked about Taurus being in the ring with two guys who probably shouldn't have been in the ring with him. This was Aramis and Latigo following guys who are nowhere close to the level they're at. They started right away. There was tons of cool back and forth stuff. Latigo tried to take our section out with a flip dive. And I knew that either him or Ramis were going to do it. So I was very careful. We got out of the way just in time, but the guy sitting beside me got destroyed. They exchanged submissions. The crowd was really into the submissions. It was a very good match. Latigo did a backflip where he was trying to land on the chair that Ramis was sitting in. But Ramis moved. And Latigo landed literally sitting in the chair. So Ramis could take him out with a bullet tope. Uh, great fucking spot. Crowd went crazy. They teased their own moves on each other. Latigo ended up hitting Aramis's own torture rack spinning powerbomb, which the crowd actually understood and popped for the near. They did a crazy sequence of like five moves in a row, including a couple reverse Frankensteiners. Just this match alone made the ticket worth it and all the trouble going out to this show. I'm so happy I was there. I don't know how it's going to translate on video, obviously, because they're still shooting this with, you know, Ledesma has given in to putting stuff on YouTube, but he hasn't given in on shooting it professionally. So I guess we're going to have to wait to see how that works out. But right now they just have the single cam recording stuff around the ringside. I'm curious to see what the YouTube feedback will be to that, because I think people will be expecting the Maslucha style, where people are, you have a hard cam and a ringside cam. Uh, Shockingly, Latigo ended up cleanly submitting Aramis, which I did not see coming. And the crowd was kind of flat for the finish because I don't think anybody saw it coming. So it was great. I would have it at like maybe four and a quarter stars, somewhere around there. I, I have it basically on the same level as the Riot match. I would have them either equal or the Riot match just a notch above it. But I was really high on the Riot match, so don't take that as a negative on this match. That sounds like something. Hopefully, they will post get around to posting it, and it'll look pretty good. I know they said they'll bring up videos, but they haven't really said when they're going to put up videos, which is consistent for all Lucha promotions, no matter how they're going up. Yeah, I saw in Ledesma's Facebook somebody pointed out my Twitter comment about it and said, "Oh, Rob Viper enjoyed it," and Ledesma had a very unkind comment in response to that. <laughs> and if somebody's listening to this and is going to report back to Ledesma, my response would be, "Do you want your stuff to be well known, like?" I'm not saying that I'm the be-all, end-all, but you should be wanting people who were there live to put over your stuff. Whether you hate me or not is completely irrelevant to the situation. Any people putting over your stuff as, hey, you need to see this, is good for you. I just, I just want Ledesma to start putting his ego aside and acting like a normal promoter who understands how this works. Okay, you but... Know, they, but what promoter ever puts their ego aside and acts like a normal person? Uh, you'd be surprised. There are some that admit that they may not be my biggest fans, but they do understand that my opinion might carry a little. So, you know, hell, the Mexa promoter there 
was say, was talking to me after the show saying he's happy I came. He wants me to spread the word about how good the matches were. You know, he gets it. He he may not agree. I mean, I told him, hey, listen, I don't like this type of thing when you do the hardcore stuff. I'm not into it. He's like, yeah, but some of my fans like it, which is cool. You can talk and have disagreements like this without automatically going into your shell and being being like, well, fuck you. You're not invited to the show. And if you show up, I'm going to have somebody be like, Wesley doesn't need to be like this but whatever i digress the other thing i saw in this show was apparently van guardia has a 24 7 title and jose manuel ended up ares ended up attacked fly star i think was the champion was it fly star am i am i doing yeah, this let me wrong? explain it because you're going in out a little bit fly star was the champion van guardia is the promotion that runs mostly in hidalgo um they were in pachuca and they were in lanzingo um but they and this this title when they started running like last fall hasn't really got picked up that much, but they brought here because Flystar was champion. Um, Aries attacked Flystar while Flystar was doing an interview and started to pin him for the title, but then Jose Manuel Guillen pulled Aries off and covered himself to get the pin. And then Aries was kind of okay with it, which I thought was surprising. Um, then later in night, uh, maybe after a show when they were doing post-match interviews, in another interview at any point, um, Flystar beat back, pinned Jose Manuel Guillen to win the towel back. And then they also did the same thing with Flystar and Cycle Canada to switch back and forth. But it's the same th- It's the same 24-7 dial that you see everywhere else, which I think it, there, if there was an ad twist to it, maybe it'd be more interesting. But like as a person who saw the stuff in WWE like two decades ago, it feels like, then it's like, it's I, I understand why people enjoy it, but it's not something that really, it's, that interests me all that much. Yeah, I'm I'm really over this. I mean, I thought it was funny when Jose Manuel. I laughed. I'm not saying you know the crowd liked it. They thought it was funny, but I don't see this as being a viral hit. Like I think they're trying to turn it into, and I'm not being biased. They did the same thing at one of the at the Arena where they did the Pakistan title, and they were changing it back and forth all all weekend long. And I told Fredo, I think this is really stupid. So. I am I am in that same opinion now. I think this this whole twenty four seven thing is really stupid, and you just come off as a really cheap knockoff of something that isn't even over for WWE. No, I, I think everyone got it because when they first came back in WWE, it seemed like it was a popular thing, but it's really lost its excitement in WWE a while ago now. And I think it worked better in Riot because it was self contained in one weekend, and so there were title changes from the people, and you could kind of follow along to some extent and it finished off the day. But I also thought it was weird there because you were, the whole weekend was built around deciding a new champion, but you also have like maybe 75% of the roster also was the champion at some point during that weekend. So it kind of diminished the effect of the big story that they were trying to tell. But I think it's also, it's also not a big deal either way. It's like, it doesn't diminish my enjoyment of your shows, but just like a silly thing that I don't care all that much about. Yeah, the only reason I get mad is just because sometimes I think they're putting more thought into switching that title than they are the serious stuff on the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I think so. I, I, it's nice that they're showing creativity someplace, but that's, I, would, I would prefer that to be the creativity to build up actual feuds, which just kind of seems like it's missing in a lot of ways in Indie Lucha at this point. Yeah, so overall, I think the best match on the entire three shows was Aramis versus Latigo. Followed by the main event of the Riot Show, in my opinion. 
I want to. I think the best show overall was the riot show for sure. But that's unfair to Mex and Memes because memes because I only got to see four matches on that show. I want to thank Fredo for having us out there, for transporting us around, picking us up at the airport and everything. Thank you to Maureen for letting me drag her to all these shows. I wish we could have had her on the podcast to give her experiences since it was her first time in Mexico. It was nice to see Alan in Monterey, Alan with the family, Alan Jolson. And of course, shout out to Alan for the other Alan for driving us from TJ. And I think we sold him on coming out future riot shows because he said he had a good time. So I'll, I'll take my percentage of that ticket sold, Fredo. Yeah. And, and also, Gersum was there too. And he seemed like he enjoyed the show. And he was the uh, of a group of people from Mexico who sometimes go to the show. He was the only one who said he was going to the show and actually still went to the show. So that puts him ahead of two other people I could think of. Yeah, shame on Black Terry Jr. and shame on Tanya, who I thought we were, I thought we had a pact. Yeah. yeah. A blood all... pact that we were all going. Yeah. And then apparently we weren't all going. It was just a shame. Maybe, maybe next time. But like I said, I don't know about March 28th yet. They've announced Jack Evans, Facade, Blake Christian, and Alex Zane. So they are loading up on the international talent, which for someone like me who wants to see the Mexican guys. <laughs> Is kind of not selling me on going, but it's always like that. Yeah, I think they, I think they probably want to bring in more foreigners after not putting that many foreigners on the last show. So just, just give something different to do. But, but is if, there anything else we want to say do, about if these? They do Ares, go ahead. Uh, if they do, if they do Ares versus Latigo, I think I have to be there because that match seems friggin' incredible. My next bucket list goal is because I thought it was going to happen at the Quacalco show. I have got to see these Mexa boys against the mini Strals. Like these guys were doing the crazy spots that are going viral online. I, I'm making an open plea to Fredo. Please book these guys on La Rina or at some point this year. I need to see these guys live. Yeah. I, I, I think at this point they owe it to have a match live because you've seen them. Because thanks to you, so many people have seen them on GIFs that you need to the, that they need you need to get the live experience so you can get that in person too. Definitely. But I had a great time. I love Mexico. I can't wait to go back. I hope you had a good time too. And I'm we're gonna end this so that you can go watch Arena Mexico. I will not be watching it live. I it's more that I I think I need to stop doing this stream so I can go do another stream, but um, well, fuck that. Then I'm gonna keep talking. For, forget it. Nobody should be watching the next. No, I, the the one thing that went right is that I started the show. I started the stream Friday while standing in the meet and greet. I w we weren't even in the meet and greet when I started the stream out, <laughs> and that, it worked fine. That's dedication. That's dedication. You guys, dude. This guy is standing in line for a meet and greet loading in the middle of TJ with everybody looking at him and he's just loading it for you guys yes. just so you could watch Robin and Arcalis against Espanto and Akuma on time. Yeah, and it was like way for five, for like three or five minutes for the stream to actually get started because they started late too so it was extra annoying but um, it worked out. This one since I'm here in person will probably fail five times so it'll be fun. But I'm looking forward to AAA tomorrow and watch Templario versus Soberano Jr. Those are my recommendations. Yeah. AAA tomorrow should be good. I think the Ring of Honor show, I forget exactly what the Bandito match is, but I remember it was a good match. Is that Bandito Flumita versus the Briscoes on it is. Sunday? And that, it's Sunday, yeah. There's something else, maybe. 
but yeah, that's a show I'm interested to see how it goes because Ray, Ray Horace versus Brody King. Yes, because uh, I, I think they need this would be a very good time for Ring of Honor to have a good show. Definitely. Okay, now I feel like I'm dragging the podcast out, and I've stopped making sense about like maybe a half hour ago. So we're going to end it here, and I'm going to figure out how to get the audio that I recorded on Skype to actually upload later. But thank you for listening. We'll be back at some point. I don't know what, but we'll be back. <laughs>